Hey, I'm Sassnacks. It's Chelsea back for another episode of the Sassnack Files. This week, I'm joined by my friend Angela Hickey of OutlanderCast, Clan Book Club, and Queen Bee's Hive on Patreon to discuss part two of our King of Men special, where we are talking all things Jamie Fraser. So, can't wait to discuss that with you guys. But first, I want to remind you that you can find the Sassanac Files on all sorts of listening platforms, including iTunes, CastBox, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, if you have not had a chance yet, make sure you head over to follow the Sassanac Files on both Facebook and Instagram to make sure you are up to date on all of the latest and greatest news concerning Outlander Season 7 and anything Diana Gabaldon cooks up. Also want to give you a heads up that next week I am off for a week, but then I'm going to start up my season six analysis. And also, if you enjoyed my Droughtlander book club from last week on the Ruby Brooch, I will be breaking down the second book in the Celtic Brooch series by Catherine Lowry Logan here in about a month and a half. So if you would like to join me for that, I will have more details in the near future, but get your read on and join me for my discussion on The Last McLenna. And with all of that out of the way, let's get into my analysis of James Alexander Malcolm Mackenzie Fraser with Angela. Enjoy. For those of you that joined me for the Ruby Brooch Book Club last week, Catherine just announced like an hour ago that she's done with book 12. So that's exciting. I saw that. Yeah. So two to three weeks, she said, and then it'll be, it'll be released to the world. (laughs) So yeah, that was exciting. I was like, well, that's great news to wake up to because we've been waiting patiently, but she doesn't make us wait as long as Diana does. (laughs) All right. We got lots to talk about today. Yeah, we sure do. <laughs> yeah, that's like my, one way. Yeah. <laughs> I did like a little horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't know you were doing sound effects with those digitals. <laughs> I'll just hire you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need sound clips, right? We just, you know. <laughs> I do want to tell everybody that. I might have said before about how I'm starting to do turn and some things are connected with my Patreon page, which is Queen BC Hive on Patreon. But now I have opened up a Facebook group that's going to kind of coincide with that. It's going to be where I do some of my lives on turn and some other things, um, as well as what I do on the Outlander. I'm not leaving Outlander cast. I still do my book studies there, but this will be for all the other things I'm doing with Patreon that I can't really deal with on there. So um, that one is called Queen Bee's Outlandish Hive. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you can see it's new. I just made it. Queen Bee's Outlandish Hive. Thank you. Sure. So that she's one. a member. Yes. She's a member. <laughs> anyway, I love to have you all come um, and join us. Um, and especially if you want it, you're interested in turn, we're going to be doing a live on that next weekend to kind of intro the show and what we're going to do with it. So we'd love to have you. And of course, I'd love to have you on Patreon, Outlander Cast 2 and Drums. We're starting that. Uh, we've done that now. We've done the first five chapters. chapters or something. Yeah, five, five chapters. Something five like chapters. Yeah. And if you want to talk about, you know, I actually added a flaw thing on our, on our outline 
And if you want to talk where about where Jamie's probably the most flawed, it's in Drums of Autumn. <laughs> probably where he like does the biggest boo-boos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. He regressed a lot a to cope with. He had a lot to cope with in that I book. know. Poor guy. <laughs> a lot of shit being thrown at him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. forgive me all. I I'm a, I need like water ice to coat my throat. So I, I usually have okay. that while I'm talking. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. It's go on with the show there, Chelsea. Let's do this. All Let's right. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. And happy 4th of July, everybody. Yes, happy 4th of from July. The US. Happy we defeated the British Day. Woohoo! <laughs> <Our> <laughs> traitorous, our traitorous <laughs> bastards that we are. I know, right? It's in our blood, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're rebels, damn it. We're rebels. Oh, man. Okay, so where we left off last time if memory serves, because I haven't re-listened or anything. Yeah, um, that's but what we, I was going to do, and I just didn't get a chance. Yeah, we uh, we really dove deep into Jamie's early life. We talked about his roots as far as his family connections, his spiritual connections, um, how the events uh, prior to season one and through season one really started to shape this young man that we have Um little bit about we talked a little bit about season two um in like yeah Harrison that's where i'm kind of foggy did we actually i don't think we like dove the end deep of into season it two? Or, yeah. uh, you know um i don't think i'm we... trying to think because you don't jump to it really much in your outline you go Mm-mm. from wentworth no, i don't and then uh his reactions to assaults and stuff and yeah. and then what he believes and then you went right to Artsmere Prison. I had to kind of go in and say, wait a minute, we had to dump on it time, I think. But I think we just kind of hop skipped over too. Yeah, we did. Dramatic, <laughs> which was kind of dramatic in his life. Losing Claire was a big deal. Yeah. Kalan wasn't <laughs> a big deal at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, we don't kind reference of, that. Kind of save Scotland, you know, just, you know, nothing really. <laughs> We don't reference that time in history at all through the rest of the series. It doesn't no. come back to that at all. No. <laughs> but anyway. you know what? I do think I do remember saying on our last live about how I think I said it there. I say things all over the place. So I forget where I said things, but I think I said it here about how they always. Oh, I know what it was. It was when you were asking me, does he believe in being able to change the future? Mm-hmm. It yeah. was that question. That's and where I the said, Paris stuff came in. That's where, yes, that's where we talked about because it. Because yeah. that's where I said that it's something, and, and you kind of get this a little more richer, I think, in the books than it really comes through on the show. But but it's something I think that haunts both Jamie and Claire that they tried to do that. And now they don't know if, if in their trying, they caused it, you know what I mean? By stifling the money and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so now they kind of live with this guilt of not knowing the role they played in the destruction of his own culture. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, they never take that path again. They always just kind of take the path of knowing this is probably going to happen and living around it and saving their own people around it. And that's the extent of change. (laughs) So I don't think he tries to change things as much. I think he accepts it because he's seen it enough come out exactly Mm -hmm. what they say that he knows, okay, 
you know, however it works, I'm not going to think I'm going to be Superman and, and change the world, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and then we talked a little bit about his time as a soldier. I think that that gets refined a lot in season two as well. Um, which obviously is massively important in preparing him for the revolution, which is what we're getting into now at the end of season six and into season seven. So, um, <clears throat> Lots of important stuff that happened in season two. And I don't really know. I think I was just overwhelmed by the size of the outline that I was like, we got to cut something out somewhere. Yeah. 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 We got to We got to trim. Trim, yeah. trim, trim. Um, so that's the abridged version but of I why think season that's two the was big, important. It's the big thing. And that's really kind of where he went into being really a professional. I mean, he was a professional soldier before, but now he became a leader soldier. Yeah. You know, he An wasn't officer. just one of the soldiers. Yeah, he became the one leading the men. Mm-hmm. And so it, it kind of, he took it to another level. And it's that level that then gives him um, the reputation of Red Jamie. It's also the level that gives him um, the trust for people to make him colonel and different things in the future. You know what I mean? It's because he has that leadership background, that soldier's background of running and leading militias and leading men and all that. So, um, and he's known as that. So people have confidence in his ability. Mm-hmm. Um, so he ac- accumulated all that over the Kulanin, over the, the, the rising Dance. Yeah. The Jacobite yeah. campaign. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> And I think it's ironic that I'm kind of sliding into our Artsmere prison very covertly. Um, I think... <laughs> and he lived as an as like pretty much uh, you know a yeah. part of the wilderness in the in the dump bonnet time. Yeah. Um, so he pretty much uh, that's kind of I think where he became very highly attuned to the land, yeah. you know, as well. And he started to learn how to embrace solitude, I think, as well. During that time. I do think that that time in his life was, um, yeah, it helped him to kind of embrace solitude a little bit. But mm-hmm. it was also a really difficult time in his life, not only because he just lost Claire and his unborn child, but because he was really separated from everybody that he cared about. And um, I think that they made it a bit more dramatic in the show in that he's not quite mm-hmm. like... He's not. I was going to say that too, but I didn't want to say it. He's not mute <laughs> in the book. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I think it no, was just, he was very much a functional part. Yeah, of he just, helping of right. helping the thing, and he came down once a month and, and connected with everybody in that once a month, and he loved doing that. You know, it was kind of like his chance to embrace his humanity again, yeah. and so he kind of relished that little bit of time every month. You know? I think that they and did he still that. ran things. He still had the head that he would leave instructions and say, do this, do that. And yeah. people listen to him, you know, mm-hmm. even though he was living in a cave. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that they did that in the show, basically just to kind of, because they didn't have as much time to spend with it. So to show the journey of Jamie's grief really over those first, what is it? Five episodes of season three. Yeah. I think my issue with it, with the show is because they kind of picked up on it mm-hmm. at the end of the time. And I just have a hard time believing mm-hmm. he would have been that way for six years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I could see it like if we saw him like that, kind of the earlier, and then we mm-hmm. showed like time went by. Right. He picked up again later and he was a little more, you know, something. Yeah. Um, but this kind of to believe that he would be that zoned out for mm-hmm. six years, I kind of have a yeah. hard time, you know, I mean, buying that. 
So Jamie's not, Jamie, anyway. uh, not as resilient in the show sometimes, or like mm-hmm. the, the timeline is a bit off a lot too. Like there's much more time passing than it's really picked up on in the show. <clears throat> which is something that I constantly have to put point out to people. I'm like, wait, wait, no, like this episode covered like a year. Like it's not, it's not like this happened in a matter of a couple weeks. Like this episode is like, like the, um, whatever surrender episode that covers like six years worth of time, that period in Jamie's life. So that's, it's, that's huge. So it's not, it's not <laughs> like this was a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it. You know, it's hard to convey stuff. I think on the show, they do the best mm-hmm. they can, but certain things that don't bonnet thing. Um, it, it did really. And then he has like the long stringy hair Ugh. with a little cap on top of his head, which the whole point was to hide his hair. <laughs> but it just like sits on his head. Like, okay, what do we do it? <laughs> That's the whole legend is about hiding his hair. Yeah, and his hair is all butched out and underneath the cap. So I thought that was kind of funny. Too. Like show of hands, if you were wearing this nasty wool dun bonnet to hide your red hair, would you cut it as short as you could? Yeah, or... I mean he did have <laughs> access and he relished getting in the in the house mm-hmm. that once a month and being able to shave and being able to like kind of look yep. human again. So he did that at least once a month. His, he never got all that wild, like looking like sas Sasquatchers. <laughs> Sasquatch Jamie. Something needs to yeah, put that on the t-shirt. Jamie, that's right. <laughs> Old Bigfoot cooking around. Oh my god! I, I Sasquatch they had kept, and it was changed from the book too. Was this didn't happen in the book? But I love the idea that this scene. There was a deleted scene. Of him killing the guy that chopped mm. off Fergus's hand. I wish they had. I mean, yeah. that didn't happen in the book either. So it's not like something in the book that they right. left out. But when I saw it, I was like, oh, I love that. Why didn't they keep that? Everybody would have cheered, you know. It yeah. was such a great triumphant moment. So it's a great triumphant. It's a great triumphant moment, but also really like hammers home the like brutality of Jamie. Like that's why I thought they would have kept it because that's really what they're tapping into in that episode is like the almost feral aspect. Well, the almost feral aspect of him where he's just like very um, down to the core of his being and instinctual. And there's not a lot of uh, emotional byplay in him, I guess. Yes. Um, So you would think that they would include that, but, but they also made a point in that episode. To me, it was like a perfect ending for the episode mm-hmm. or whatever, or, you know, ending, but close to the ending, like a a climax or whatever. Yeah, you right. Call it. Um, <clears throat> for that episode, because the whole messaging in it, the whole like thematic element of it mm-hmm. was him saying to, you know, to Fergus, you've taught me that I need to learn to fight back. I need to like care, basically plug mm-hmm. back in. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, and Fergus is like, there you are, my Lord. And all that. Remember, that's part of the scene. Oh, yeah. So like, it would make sense for him then to fight back and knock this, mm-hmm. you know, and get this guy and get back to his old self of, you know, right. now you don't F with mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Type yep, of thing. Sure. So it, it kind of fit the whole storyline. I don't know why they, because it's not like it doesn't work or fit the storyline. So to me, I think they should have kept that. But I mean, it didn't happen in the book or anything. But right. I liked it. It was one of those scenes they added that I really liked, and then they cut it. <laughs> yeah, I'm planning on doing an episode 
like further into Droughtlander where I talk about a lot like my favorite deleted slash extended slash oh, extra that would be scenes. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would so, be fun. Because there's a lot of good ones that have been cut. Um, mm-hmm. especially in like season five and stuff, because a lot of those episodes ran long anyway. So there are a lot of good a lot of good ones. Yeah, there. all the stuff where, you know, Jamie connects with Bree and mm-hmm. you know, Roger connects with all that yeah. stuff got cut. Right. Yeah, for sure. The good Lord John stuff, too, got cut in season five. Girl. I know. <laughs> I was very fun. upset by the deleted scenes in season five. Like, I feel like 90% of them were really good. Yeah. So, sad face. I agree. Okay. Anything else you want to touch on with the Dunbonnet portion of Jamie's life? No, I'm just okay. trying to mentally get my brain back to where we were. Get back in gear. Yes. Yes. Um, out of neutral and into drive. <laughs> All righty. So what I was saying was, I think that uh, the season two element of Jamie being a soldier really helps to prepare us as viewers and help us to understand who he is throughout season three without Claire. I think that that's almost like a poetic turn and twist is that he's with Claire throughout this whole time at the end of season two before he sends her back through the stones. But He's really, in a way, preparing for life without her in Mm -hmm. that he rediscovers himself almost at Ardsmere as a leader of men and taking in those men that view him as their officer, as their commander, as their laird. So we also have to mention, I'm sorry, we also have to mention on the move from Dunbonnet to Ardsmere, the sacrifice involved Mm -hmm. in that, you know, what that says about Jamie. This is a man who pretty much just basically cashed in his the little mm-hmm. bit of freedom he had, the little bit of connection, that family that he had to do whatever he could to save that family, which yeah. really defines a lot of the type of person he is, you know? Oh yeah. He treats his body as very much expense, you know, an, an expenditure for the safety of his family. And I just think that's such a great story. And then I loved his reaction, which they didn't really show. I don't think as much on the show, but, I loved his reaction when Claire said, you know, your daughter's very proud of you. And he's like, she is. Why? He's like, you know, well, you know, you pretty much went to prison, you know, it was a dumb, but the dumb bonnet story. And then you went to prison to save your family. And he was like, well, that's nothing to be, you know, a story about, you know, what else can I do? Yeah. (laughs) It was my only option. You know, it doesn't even cross his mind to not be that self-sacrificing you know yeah. like a lot like of people that, that, that's been not like, something to make a legend about or a story yeah. about i lived in a cave you know it's crazy and, that he doesn't he doesn't see and this is something we see time and again with jamie's character he doesn't see himself as impressive or worth like noteworthy he just is jamie and so i just i find that he's so humble like he doesn't realize in some ways, how amazing. but then in some ways he can be very prideful and arrogant well, too. Yeah, especially I mean, when he was young. Yeah, I just mean like as far as like aspects of his personality. I also and when we get to like character flaws and stuff, I mentioned mm-hmm. that. But it's just like especially when it comes to his family and like the sacrifices mm-hmm. he's willing to make for those that he yes, cares the about. Things he's done as far yeah. as the heart stuff, he's mm-hmm. very humble about. Like yeah. his his like manhood and pride and all that kind of stuff and his education and his background 
that stuff he can get prideful and haughty a little mm-hmm. bit about sometimes. Yeah. But as far as like the stuff that matters where you would go, yes, this is why you're so fantastic. You know what I mean? Like that's the yeah. stuff that he's super humble about, you know, like, yeah. oh, you know, what else was I going to do? You know, these people were starving. Of course I had to do that. Yeah. It wasn't no big deal. It wasn't like something I had a choice, you know? Yeah. But you always have a choice, you know, exactly. you live in that cave indefinitely mm-hmm. until they stop looking for him or caring you know yeah um, right so yeah I think I, don't I mean know. he it's, was making it work it was seven years exactly. in he was doing he was doing it you know yeah. so I wonder how much longer it would have taken for the bread coast like the British to kind of just forget about him you know like yeah. how much longer would he have had to live in that cave before it became like a, eh, if we catch him, we catch him. If we don't, whatever. Well, you know, he, he ends up going in and I'm not sure if they said it in the show or not, but he ends up going in. And when, when Jenny's like, they'll kill you, they'll hang you. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, you know, um, I, you know, Claire said that, it, you know, in time, they don't yeah. do that anymore. They just kind of imprison you and transfer. So he knew kind of at least that, that mm-hmm. he wasn't in danger of being hung at that point, you know, right. which I wouldn't have banked on that because he was Red Jamie after all. Right. That's a big leap of faith. That's a big leap of faith <laughs> that they're not yeah. going to hang He you. really trusted Claire to be oh, like man. trusting that, right? Well, and I also kind of feel like at that point in his life, like he felt like if that was his final purpose in life, to make that sacrifice for his family and for those he cared about, like he was prepared to do that. So um, yes, he was taking a huge risk in that way because, Oh, they're not, they're not hanging people anymore. Supposedly, according to Claire. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. But uh, I might die of jail fever or something, but you know, I won't be hung. Yeah. Which is a big fear of his. Like he, the idea of dying that way for him is like the work. Like he'll die any other way, but he doesn't want to die that way. You know? Well, it was so. such a dishonorable death. Like it was the death of a traitor. It was the death of an, a dishonest or um, Criminal. dishonest yeah. man. Like it, it was such a smudge against your honor. And that was such a huge thing back then. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Seems, I mean, from a present point of view, that seems like, man, you got your priorities mixed up. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got to definitely think of the time, you know, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All righty. Hillary says, yes, please go over the deleted scenes. So you've got a thumbs up on that idea, Chelsea. Yay. Yay. Ruth says, as much money as spent on Outlander, it's just sad that they didn't do Jamie's hair better. But Jamie's hair is always a point of contention it's in this show. Always a point always. of contention. It's like one of the things. Poor, poor Sam. He's like, how do I make these people happy? And then they all said, you know, now that you know you pull back, you, you got to let it loose sometimes. You know, with the wig. And he's like, you don't want to see it that way. <laughs> I don't even want to see it that way. I'm not a fan of long hair anyway. I'm seeing pictures of David. He would look today like a lion. And I was like, mm. like I know that he's probably growing it out so he doesn't have to wear a wig. But, um, mm, nope, I'm not a fan of long hair on guys. Who, who is? David, David Barry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the thing, if he doesn't wear a wig in the show, I kind of would like that. You know, I'd like yeah. to see him a little more El Natural. Right. I, I mean, like I'd I... like to see, I wish I could see the, 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 I wish I could see the Lord John of the Lord John books, you know, where he's, you see his like, um, 
you see his and even in the regular books you know you, mm -hmm. you he you know you see his like blurdy side and you know <laughs> doesn't always do everything so perfect that makes yeah. he stupid like puts his foot in his mouth sometimes you know when he's all kind of worked up you know i i kind of like they they tend to the show tends to over press him a little mm -hmm. bit sometimes yeah. you know what i mean like they really want to push that image yeah. out for him and i kind of love his klutzier stuff you know in the books you know that's the um, entertaining stuff I feel like, a little bit in your words <laughs> i feel like to i can see us going off on a tangent <laughs> yes I'm, that's why i'm gonna just shut up i'm gonna um, shut up i'm gonna shut up I but i have I to finish my thought so okay so, um <laughs> If we get a Lord John series, I feel like they're almost going to have to backtrack on John's character a little bit because that's not really who he is in the Lord John series. So I don't know. Yeah, and we'll the see, thing I is, guess. well, we'll see what they do in in season seven because he's a much yes. more prominent character right. in season seven, and you see a lot of those things in in his mm -hmm. storyline right. in season seven that comes out more because. In the books, that's when she wrote a lot of the Lord John books yeah. was while she was writing Echo. Mm -hmm. So you started seeing more of that filter in. So maybe, yeah. maybe you know, we'll yeah. as you know, you see him interacting with William and different things like that. You know, when you mm -hmm. see his more comfortable side, right? You know, maybe maybe yep. we'll get a little more of that humanity mm -hmm. in him. You know, hope so, hope so. All right. Well, um, I'm going to use this as a segue. I'm not skipping stuff, but I am going to talk about. Because Lord John is a huge part of the Ardsmere storyline. Mm -hmm. so, I thought that was a great segue. I, yeah. This is I'm where we gonna, really kind of come it, back into having him in our presence. You yes. know, adult Lord John anyway. Adult Lord uh, John. Um, <laughs> so Lord John is a huge part of Ardsmere. Um, not only because it kind of. There are a couple of tiers, I guess, to John's involvement in Ardsmere. First off, you've got a changing of the guard. But also it kind of shows Jamie's ability to represent his men. And it also, um, I know we talked, on, we touched on it quite a bit in the last episode where we were talking about um, Jamie's reaction to John's sexuality and all of that. And what that says about his. Oh, did we um, talk about that? Yeah, we did. And mm -hmm. what that says about his resiliency and his. Um, also how that how his the events of arts wentworth how the events of wentworth um impacted that viewpoint so okay. um all of that already having been touched on what does once jamie and john form that relationship how does that relationship become key to the series and to jamie's character moving forward um well I think the whole Lord John thing, and much like many other things um, that John Jamie experiences and learns and grows from, it really kind of, he in his mind, like I said, I think I did say this actually, mm -hmm. if, I, if I remember right, his whole experience with, um, with any kind of homosexuality or man on man action or whatever has been the Duke mm -hmm. of Sandringham. <laughs> Blackjack Randall, you know, two like not great characters. Um, so wah, wah, wah. he's never seen, yeah, he's never seen anything but depravity and horrificness, you know what I mean, related to that. Right. And so it's very hard for him. And plus he went through such a horrific thing, you know, um, at those at those hands. 
And so for at first, he's very, and I think he also felt a little bit of a trial in it because he like allowed himself to really like John, you know, by the time that came about. I mean, it kind of was condensed and squished in the show, but there had been a little bit of an ongoing, you know, they would talk and play chess and this and that before this started coming to John. And John kind of thought, you know, hey, maybe this would be as good for him as it would be for me because he's probably only needs connection with someone too. It would be better with me than with, you know, another person in the jail, you know, that he has to maintain an image in front of, you know, so maybe it will be an outlet for him too. And he kind of thought that, you know, because he's not thinking of all the things, of course, he went through. Um, mm-hmm. So he knows nothing of that. So he's kind of like put it out there, you know, not realizing what it would do. But for John, Jamie, um, that just kind of took the, the, the trust he built with John and just now made him colored a whole different way, you know. Yeah. And so he had to learn over time, like, and come to some kind of um, realization and understanding. And you really see that over the Lord John books, um, that this that that does not make the person. You know, that it is possible to be an honorable person and still have homosexual, be homosexual, you know. And that was something that's very hard for Jamie to get his head around, but especially with his own experience. But through John, he learns that just like through Claire, through Bree, through Roger, he learns a lot of things about progression, you know, progressive Mm -hmm. ideas and things that, you know, people learned over time to the 20th century that that is not, you know, the way people think that. But Jamie yeah. is one that's open to that, <clears throat> open to learn and, and to grow and to, you know, get a different like outlook at life. Because even when he was young, he used to preach at his father and say, you know, you're so backward in the way that you think <laughs> and yell at him and stuff and try to like argue that if you were more civilized, you know, this is how people do like when they're civilized and, you know, his father would just roll his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't have time for this, Jamie. <laughs> Get lost. Just go do your chores and shut up, you know. That um, reminds but... me of uh, <laughs> how I, and this is this is a little like tidbit about young Jamie for those of you that may not have read the books. Um, how whenever he would be punished and he would get a belting <laughs> for whatever he did wrong. This was when he was younger. He used to try to argue his case to his father. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, like, sermon. It's so on the barbaric. Mount. It's so barbaric, then, you know. <laughs> and really, it would just end up getting him and usually Ian in even more trouble. Like, <laughs> and Jenny sometimes. And Jenny sometimes, yeah. But yeah, it's uh. <laughs> and he would say, you know, you could he could argue, and then he's like, you should have went into the law. He, he says later, yep. you should have went into the law. <laughs> He can out argue anybody and he ended up going the complete other way and being yeah. an outlaw for most of his life so and he hates lawyers funny. you know and, and he, he hates, hates lawyers that's funny oh, man when he like would have been such a good one. Oh, for um, sure yeah <laughs> but it, it makes what I'm, my point was bringing that up is that he is by nature a person that wants to be more civilized that wants to like be enlightened with things yes. so i think like and then everything, like, you know, you have that whole idea of cognitive dis- dissonance. Mm-hmm. It's hard for him to see 
all of the labeling he puts on John or on homosexuality or on all that. And then see John, who has always been such a, a person of honor and a good friend mm -hmm. and trustworthy and all these other things and never stepped out, you know, um, mm -hmm. and it added that image to him. And he has to somehow bring that into right. into focus and be able to exist together. Yep. So, so he has to somehow grow and learn from that. Mm -hmm. And he does, you know, yeah. it takes time, but he does, you know, so. Yep. I think that's one of the great things about Jamie's character, like you said, is that he's so willing to see somebody's mic's doing something weird. Sorry. Um, is it mine? Mine? I don't know. It was fun. making like a d -d 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 noise. <clears throat> it's not anymore. But um, yeah. He's so willing to look at things from other people's perspectives and learn from other people's life ex life experiences as well as his own. It's what makes him a remarkable character, I think, and what makes him so wise as we continue to progress through the series because not only is he, like I said, learning from his own life experiences, but he can see what other people are telling him and accept that instead of being like, no, I believe this, so it has to be this way. Um, which some people are like that. So I think it just helps him to, to grow faster as a character almost. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's very stubborn and pigheaded at the beginning of this series, but he also kind of grows out of that in a way. And I think a lot a, of that a little bit, with... or you know what it is? I don't even, and I put this down when we talk about flaws, but it's not even necessarily that he grew out of it, but he learns how to manage it. Yeah. Like he learns how to recognize it in himself mm -hmm. and go, okay, let me take a breath. Let me take a beat. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, yeah. and like, you know, unless the rage is kicking in the red thing, you know, but yeah. uh, normally he tries to like, go, okay. Like, like on a certain mm -hmm. situation when he says, why <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Um, you know, Why? normally that wouldn't yeah. have happened. Yeah, that, normally that wouldn't have happened. That one little extra beat of waiting for a second, you know, would not have happened. It would have just been this flying, you know what I mean? So he, He's so he is. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like he has learned over his life to kind of get all the info first before he makes his choices but he has to learn that the hard way over the whole course of the series that's not until later books yep. you know um earlier mm -hmm. on he, he hits his hard knocks you know what i mean especially yep. in season four or book four you know he mm -hmm. he makes a lot of wrong quick assumptions and puts his foot in the ground about things that get him in trouble with his family and all of that kind of stuff you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so you know, over that, he learns, okay, let me just swallow what I want to say for a second and hear what you have to say before, <laughs> you know, so in that yep. way, he has grown a little bit. Yep, for sure. Um, so <clears throat> how does Jamie's experience at Ardsmere help him through the loss of Claire, do you think? Okay, so I say, you know, it rescued him to have men in his care again. Um, now this was a little bit diminished on the show with, with Martha because it became that he still had that thread, but right. in the book, he was totally void of everything, you know, like everything. And so he had nothing and he went into this prison with no ties, no family, no, no connections. And 
he was a lost boy with a lot of other lost boys and those lost boys needed a leader. And so he became that leader. And in having that leadership to these men and having them in his care and having them be the liaison um, to um, to the governor, whoever that was at the time, because he wasn't there. He was there before John. But he continued that role. He was there doing that role with, ha- with ha- um, Harry and all that other stuff. Harry being Quarry, Mr. Quarry. Um, so having that role and knowing that the results of that put these men's lives in his hands and all of that and having that responsibility mm-hmm. gave him purpose again. Yep. You know, gave him people that he was committed to care for. And that's very important to Jamie. That's like a lifeline for him. You know, he was meant to lead people. He was meant to have people in his care and he's kind of lost when he doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. And so that gave him people to care for people that needed him a purpose. And, um, and it kind of brought him back from the dark to have that. Um, You know, he's like John, Jamie and John are very like that way where they take care of people. They protect people. That is what they're built for, both of them. It's one of the things they have in common. I think it's something they bond over, too. Like, they understand each other on a different level because they have that in common. Exactly. Exacto mundo. (laughs) (laughs) So, given that Jamie's Jamie's primary responsibility in Ard's Mirror, or how he views his primary responsibility, is to take care of the, the ones around him. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're going to we're going to fast forward to the events of season six, which isn't really fast forwarding at all, because timeline wise, it takes place along with this stuff is um, the creating of the Masonic Lodge to mm-hmm. kind of merge the, the Protestant and the Catholics together and kind of mm-hmm. give them a commonality and take religion out of it, because that was really the sticking point. And it was causing a lot of issues with the prisoners as a whole nobody was getting along and they were every, getting factioned yes they were infighting and it was nasty and so that was all kind of happening as jamie arrived at Ardsmere. Mm-hmm. so i think the creation of the masonic lodge really kind of highlights jamie's the inner workings of jamie's mind and how he's always taking things in and processing them and trying to spit them back out in a way that further like is able to help people like I feel like that's just him in a nutshell like he wants to help people he wants to make things better sometimes that can be a a bad thing or a drawback because it causes a lot of whenever he acts too quickly it causes a lot of problems but I think in this case with the Masonic Lodge it was the right move what do you think yeah um I said I put on my notes here it's a brilliant way to solve the crisis that he had and you know Jamie finds it's another like quality of his is he often finds unconventional ways to solve problems. You know, he often like, that's why you always hear Claire always say, he'll come up with something, <laughs> you know, because that's like Jamie's thing. He comes up with the, odd, the, the, the odd thing to do um, or the thing, the outside the box idea to create it, you know, to create, the solution to the problem you know he, he did that even while well, we it wasn't covered in the in the show but there is a part in the book and i can say it because it's past that point in the show um but there was a part in the book where where brie um was abducted with with bonnet remember that 
Um, And they were trying to, you know, um, get the information. And one of the ways he ends up doing it in the book was to kidnap um, Neil Forbes's mother, who Neil Forbes is like, that's like, he always was everything to him. He kidnaps her, but he doesn't do it in a bad way. He like schmoozes her, you know, and says, let's go have a picnic lunch because my wife just deserted me, you know, and I'm all by myself now. And she's like, oh, you know. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? She's like, oh, bloody, you know. And he calls, oh, come on, you wouldn't leave a lad all by himself now. Yeah. And he takes her along. He takes her little pin. He sends it back to Roger and Ian. And then all the, oh, they show me Neil Forbes the pin, and he thinks, "Oh my God, what's he doing to my mother?" Yeah. And he's just having a picnic lunch with her, but yeah. you know, so he doesn't ever do anything wrong, you know, yeah. or mean to the lady mm-hmm. or anything. But you know, Neil doesn't know that, yeah. so it's just the funniest thing because it was such an outside the box way yes. to handle it. And this is what Jamie does, like he comes up with these crazy things, you know, that to kind of solve a problem, and that's what he did with this Masonic lodge, and. This brotherhood philosophy carries through the life in the colonies. Mm-hmm. He learns to negotiate men that have great differences. And when yep. you're in the colonies and you're in this melting pot, you have that. People coming from all different walks and, you know, levels of, you know, clanhood. And, you know, some people are Scots, some people aren't. You had the Germans, you had all the different things. So mm-hmm. he had the Native Americans. He needed to be able to negotiate between a lot of different types of people and beliefs. And I think he got a good educate, like experience mm-hmm. in that dealing in arts meal. You know, he had to oh, learn yeah. to negotiate there. Yeah, I think when you I start think here's talking where I about... have all my John notes. I had that after this. Yeah. So now here's where I have it all. <laughs> I think that you have a marked ability from him to be able to walk the line between two different groups of people. And that's something that he has a amazing talent for. And I, I think you're right. It starts here at Ardsmere really with us being able to see that in full swing. Um, and it does, it carries on throughout the colonies, especially when you start, I mean, you've got it with all the walks of life, but it's very front and center whenever you see him start to walk the line politically between rebels and uh, loyalists mm-hmm. and so you've got and i love how he says the says um you know somebody said you know wasn't that against the pope or whatever and he's like the pope wasn't it wasn't the here pope wasn't in Orsmere <laughs> and i was yeah <laughs> it's like i had to I come up that. with something and yeah you, know... you know what well if that's what worked i hell with it the pope can come to Orsmere and complain about it if you don't exactly. like it you know yeah um, it does make me wonder, though, like, technically, I mean, if the Pope ever cared enough, could have excommunicated him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. who's going to say anything about shit, it? Right? Yeah, yeah like, he's got bigger fish to fry. You well, know? I do wonder, like, how that would have impacted him on a spiritual level. But at the same yeah. time, like, yeah. the Pope doesn't care. Like, you know, like, the Pope, mm-hmm. nobody's going to go to the Pope and be like, Jamie Fraser was... <laughs> became a Freemason in Ardsmere prison and you need to excommunicate him. And then Lord John would have just intervened, probably. Yeah, because Lord John knows the Pope. He does, yeah. He does. You know, they they like they got a thing, you know, Lord, which is kind of hilarious. (laughs) That's amazing. It's sodomite. Yeah. It's the Pope. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking of Lord John, and now that I've actually rolled down mm-hmm. some of my notes, I do want to say one or two things if you're going to move off of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I said, this is where Jamie learned to see past perceived differences to find common ground. I said, it's a very interesting dynamic because John ends up being one of Jamie's truest, closest, most loyal friends mm-hmm. through time uh, when they were kind of like prisoner and, and governor of a prisoner, you know, warden, I guess. Um, and I also say, you know, they both had stereotypes going into that relationship. You know, John saw the Scots and the Highlanders and everything as barbarians. You know, he had the image of right. Look when he came up to him and passed the pants. You know, mm-hmm. you are, you know, all the other things, all the stuff he said that he was. And from the right, from the broad sheets, he had his own mind about what Jamie was and what people like Jamie were and all of that kind of stuff. And he threw that, like, it was kind of a shock to him to see how, how he knew things as a gentleman, knew languages, you know, knew, could talk about plays and literature and all this other stuff, you know, that they used to have conversations, play chess, beat him most of the time in chess, all of that. And he was like, wow, like that was so shocking to him mm-hmm. to see this and something he had a stereotype. So they both, and I, I wanted to stress this, I had it in my notes, mm-hmm. that's why I bring it up. They both come to a place where they learn, you know, appearances are deceiving and, the, mm-hmm. and labels are deceiving. And you right. got to go look past that and you can find maybe some things you didn't expect. And I think they both come to that and they treasure that in yeah. their relationship, you know. Yeah. So I really love that. Um, they're both men of high honor and they can see that in each other. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to add that. <laughs> it's interesting that that's a hurdle that John has to overcome coming mm-hmm. from a marginalized group of society in mm-hmm. that there's so much judgment around being gay in the 18th century. And yet mm-hmm. here he is judging Jamie for being a Scottish Highlander. And like, you would think that because they're told coming... they're barbarians, yeah, they're crude, it just, you know, yeah. they don't have any kind of a, you know, sense of code, and, which is so wrong, you know, oh, yeah. but um, that's what they were told. Like, they're not gentlemen, you know? Yeah. It and just so goes Jamie to show. flew in the face of that. It just goes to show how strong stereotypes and like propaganda are yep. in, in molding people's mindsets, I guess. It's very interesting. So maybe that's something Diana was trying to say by all of this. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> she has all those layers that she builds yes, in. Exactly. And and, um, and you know, as far as the other prisoners, let me see. Um, I said that this was a little lesson because of the Murtaugh focus, which I said, but the show tied to retrofitted a bit in season six mm-hmm. that he was their chief, having care of them kept him whole kept him from disintegrating completely and likewise when it was ripped away which is I guess what we're getting into next mm-hmm. with Hellwater when it was ripped away he kind of felt like a failure again you yeah. know um it kind of re it, because this is what he had he had built everything he had on this on the care of these people and when that was taken with them being transported and he knows like god only knows what's going to happen to them now right. and they counted on me protecting them he felt like he failed them again which is mm-hmm. why he's so ardent adamant when he gets to the ridge to find them and bring them back and yep. make things right you know what i mean because yeah. they were still in his mind in his care right once you're in jamie care jamie's care you don't leave jamie's care you know like you, you gotta do something really bad. oh yeah <laughs> like really yeah. bad 
Yeah. I mean, once he considers you his, you know, and under his protection, so to speak, um, you know, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't change. Like he's going to come back for you, you know? Right. And I, that was part of why he got in trouble with Bonnet, which I know we're not there yet, but that's part of why he did because he had that guilt over, um, Hayes being, you know, like failing him, which in the show he was with him. It wasn't the same way, but in the book, he hadn't been with him. And he right. was left to become a thief and to try to survive on the streets mm-hmm. and all that. And that's what ended up leading to him getting hanged. Right. So Jamie coming off of that felt this guilt that it was because he couldn't properly care for one of his men that ended him mm-hmm. in this thing. And that kind of weighed on him when he got a little soft with Bonnet. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Oh, we man. were just talking about that, you know, chapter. So that's why it's fresh yeah. in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah, so moving into Hellwater. Mm-hmm. My favorite, very, one of my favorite parts in the show. It's and a book. great part. It's it really is. Um, and like I like how the show divided each of these like little pockets of time into an episode, but also I, I feel too. like yeah, I feel like they could have spent so much more time on it, but I feel like they did a good job with what they had. You know what I wish they had done, honestly. Um, you know, they did four and five as a block, um, and Tony wrote those episodes and she gave five solely to Claire's story. I wish she had done that for Jamie's story in four, yeah. you know, in four, mm-hmm. it was mostly Jamie's, but she kept weaving in Claire's yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah. I wish she had given, if she was going to do it for five, I wish she would have did it for four and given Jamie a full episode of Hellworld because it really is such an important time. You know, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. knowing Willie's going to come back in the story, they needed to really, yeah, spend time with those Willie spots. Although they did, mm-hmm. they did do that in, in four, you know, with Will, yeah. with the Willie episode. So I do wonder if we're going to get any flashbacks at all when we spend time with Willie. I think that would be really cool. Like um, maybe, like when the, there, you know, gets, there, like when he gets a... lost in the fog and all that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I thought about that and I was like, well, we do see that. They did his, talk about it in the show. They talked about him with the, like something that came up in the Lord John series was mm-hmm. that story that they talk about in the lean to. He talks about yeah, yeah. Claire about Mo. Uh, uh, Mo. Yeah. yeah. Mo, Mo, uh, he used yeah. to say Mo, Mo. And the way he taught him to do this, the mm-hmm. things like that's from the, that wasn't yeah. in the book that was in the, in the Lord yeah. John books. Um, and they brought it in. So maybe they'll do some stuff like that, you know, especially yeah. if they're thinking about doing the Lord John series, they'll want to try to weave in some stuff, you know, exactly. So yeah, hopefully. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the beginning of Hellwater is a bit of um, an adjustment period for Jamie, certainly. And I think that he's under an illusion that it's going to be this miserable experience because technically he's an indentured servant of sorts. And, um, he resents the whole thing. He resents the whole thing. He feels like because John has the hots for him, that's the only reason he was spared with his men got, you know, and he resents that too. Well, and I think there's also a resentment in that he was, purely separated from them like he views them as his responsibility so even if he probably would have died of seasickness on the way over to america like he still needed to go with them and be with them and be their representative and their mouthpiece to those of authority and so that was ripped away from him and then yeah like john views this as 
oh, well, he's going to have a, he's going to have more opportunities if I can't send him to America with the rest of his men, then I'm going to give him the best possible option here in, <laughs> and then in the so UK. In the, in the Lord John books, there's a part where they have to be on a ship together or on a boat mm-hmm. together. And John witnesses firsthand Jamie's seasickness. And like they're doing everything to keep him alive through this voyage. Yeah. And he's like, oh my God, you should be thanking me. I didn't like <laughs> transport you. You would have never made it. Yeah. <laughs> what would you no. have done? You- exactly. Yeah. You would have died. Like, puke, puke, shut up. Puke, puke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after I think Jamie comes to accept that this may not be as bad as he's thinking it's going to be. It actually ends up being some of the happiest years of his life. I feel like he has purpose and he's also at a point in his life where he maybe, I almost feel like he accepts the fact that he doesn't have to be responsible for everybody, every second of every day. And he almost finds a release in that and that he's just responsible for me, myself and I, and that's kind of nice. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously this is all before William Willie. comes into the picture, mm-hmm. but um I think being close to horses and being like just his life is simple in a way that it's never been before that way. Yeah. So I think that he really enjoys that. The pleasures of things that he Mm -hmm. still loves, you know, in it with the horses and the open air and the, and the hill, even though it's not Scotland mountains like that, but it's still this open spaces, a time where he can just spend with horses and, he starts to realize, okay, John wasn't being an asshole doing this to me. He really was thinking of what would be the best for me, you know? And like, he starts to understand it wasn't maliciously done, you know? Um, Because at first he thought that he jumped to that conclusion. And, um, but he starts to understand, you know what, this is, this is good. I can live like this. I can get by with this life, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. just doing this job, having the time with the horses that's peaceful for him. You know, um, and, um, and and as is the nature of of Outlander, it goes to hell. Of course, but (laughs) whatever. Anyway, what were you going to say? There was only one in the book. It's like there was only one problem with his his peace and happiness here. Geneva (laughs) Dunsany, you know, who seemed to have like a crush on him, you know, and was driving him nuts. Anyway, what were you? You were in the middle of something. I interrupted you. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, you know, um, um, my my notes are after he hooks up with her. You know, yeah, uh, and, yeah. And again, you see Jamie using the only thing he has to save his family, which is his body. You know, yep. he has done this now numerous times. Where, you know, we end up seeing him do it with with Lord John when he offers Lord John. His body is payment yep. to take care for Willie or whatever. We see it here where he feels like his family is threatened with this letter or whatever, mm-hmm. however they did it on the show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so in order to save them, his body's put on the line to do something, you know, sexual. Mm-hmm. Like He's like, whatever, my body doesn't matter is basically what I'm saying. Like, yeah. And then he did, of course, with Wentworth. So. You know, Jamie kind of gets to a point where I have nothing else left but my skin and bones, mm-hmm. but I'll use it yeah. if I have to, to protect what I love, you know? Right. And, and you know, so um, 
So again, you see, you know, with with Geneva, she finally uses that mm-hmm. boy and and that finally makes the decision for him. All right, well, you know, what can I do? I have to do it, you know, right. because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let that stand in the way of my my family's safety. You know, it's yeah, I freaking went to prison for these damn people. I'm not, I'm not gonna like oh I, I can get through some nookie, you know. <laughs> So one night a nookie, I think I can handle it. It's not even like she's going to be in anything freaky. She's a virgin, for God's sake. So exactly, just deal with right? it. Yeah. <laughs> he, can, he can just believe whatever the hell I tell yeah. her is right. You know. <laughs> I love it, and I love that he, despite that, he still, he still does. He's like, all right, I've made this deal. I'm not going to do it half-assed, you know. Yeah. People get mad, got mad about that in the show. They were like, they should have, they made it look too hot, you know. It should have, he should have looked more reluctant and all this other stuff. But he looked like he was enjoying himself too much. I've heard different things like this. But the thing is, and they made a point of it in the book, like he wasn't going to dishonor. He to him, it wasn't. It was part of what being a man is and if she if he's going to agree to it he's going to do right by it you know what he's i mean he's going to hold up but that's how he does the everything yes yeah and and then and then he started to have compassion for her because mm-hmm. he saw when all her her wall of you know of brat brazenness and stuff was down and she was actually in the thing he saw how really young she is and how really naive she is and and so he thought you know what he almost felt a little sorry for her and but I'm going to, I'm going to try to make this decent for her. You know what I mean? In yeah. this way. So, so it, it kind of, um, you know, cause she was, you know, she didn't know what the hell she was doing. She was just like, okay, now I got this man in my bedroom. Now what? <laughs> I do feel compassion for Geneva, honestly, because she is. I'm usually so... on an Island with my compassion for Geneva. No, I mean, she's so young and she's literally doing anything that she can do in a world that is, engineered to use women as chess pieces and she's trying Mm -hmm. to hold on to that one little bit of agency that she has left and Mm -hmm. in any way that she can and that just so happens that jamie gets the brunt of that um but i feel bad for her because you imagine being 17 and being forced to wed somebody you barely know and then when you do know like he's the age of your grandfather this happened to my grandmother and so I have a lot of compassion for Geneva. My grandmother yeah. was in love with the little, with the little grocer on this, you know, she lived in, yeah. in Italy and, and my grandfather was sent, went there and bargained with her family, you know, who owned a, a, a boarding house or whatever there on the, on the island, Sicily, mm-hmm. on the coast. And basically bargained, paid, you know, gave them money, mm-hmm. did the whole ship out, just like this. Yeah. And she was forced Basically, she had kind of had little feelings for this grocer guy. She was forced to just up, pack her shit, go over to America where she knows no one knows, doesn't know the language, doesn't know anything with this man who had kids older than her. He could have been her grandfather almost. He was almost 30 years older than her. And this was her her life, you know, from 21, Mm -hmm. you know, like she's 21 and this is her life. And she basically had to deal with the kids treating her like shit, you know, oh, I'm they sure. thought she was taking place of her mother. They would yeah. like conspire not to tell her. So, it, you know, I can, I have a lot of compassion for Geneva mm-hmm. where a lot of people just see it from, of course, you know, like she blackmailed Jamie and she's a bitch and all this, but, 
But I get what she just wanted to feel like her first right. time was at least going to be with somebody she liked and, you know, on her terms, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I get it, you know. Yeah. I don't hate her. No, I don't. And then she's um, part of Willie. So how can I hate her? I love Willie. So. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that's a whole other thing. I do yeah. love him, though. I love him. I do, too. Um, but yeah, I just, I do feel really bad for her. And I, that's mm-hmm. why I struggle with this whole hell water situation because we are only really seeing, especially in the books, Jamie's point of view on things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, she's trying to screw him over and hurt his family. And I think that she's, I almost feel like she's more bark than bite, but he doesn't know that. I don't think he would have actually done it. I don't think he would have actually done it. I think she was more putting it out there Mm -hmm. because she knows how it would be the thing that would make it, make her get her way, you know, but I don't think she would have really turned around and tried to hurt him because I think she really loved him, you know, Mm -hmm. so I don't think she was really trying to hurt him in any way. I really Mm -hmm. think she cared about him. It's almost that's like Brianna threatening Lord John by revealing exactly, that he's gay and that's to try always to get what I say to her. people. Yeah. That's what I always use as a defense when people mm-hmm. try, you know, get all over and say. And I said, "Well, did you have a problem when when Bree did it? No, because you were in her POV. Exactly, you understood it, you know. Yeah. But she basically did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Only John was a little more able to, you know. Yeah, he wasn't. A, he wasn't a prisoner. It wasn't at yeah. his, his mercy. He had, but he had you a know, bit more power." in the exactly. situation yeah exactly but yeah. she would that was a really freaking cruel thing to do because he would oh. be killed for that you know what i mean oh, yeah so oh. the same thing same yeah. shit different day you know it's <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right so, so now we get willie now we get willie yeah um which sidebar on this because when william was first announced like his adult casting somebody was like who's his mother and I'm like did you not watch season three like I'm sorry what (laughs) (laughs) did it really go by that fast well you know you know and that's why I I I, um I tried to say that you know when Outlander cast the Blake I said you know this is going to be important, man. Don't just blow off this whole episode. This yeah. is important, you know? It is, um, yeah. This is very important to the future. Um, it's so yeah. hard to express this to people that are watching the show that there are certain things that they don't see as important, you know, mm-hmm. are going to become very important. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like, you know, you might not care about this now, but it's going mm-hmm. to be something you care about. You just got to kind of trust the process as they say yes, you know trust the process uh, trust the process people you know <laughs> know that if it's there there's very limited real estate on this show so if they manage to put it in there it, it's in for a reason yes, yes exactly reason. yes um so jamie's relationship with willie i think first off it's just great to see jamie have interaction with a child of his own blood it's what we've longed for for like two and a half seasons at this point. And no matter and let's how talk about the, the decision world... to, to kill the father and save yeah. him. Right. That was yeah. really putting, that was really a step out there to do that. I mean, this man, he is mm-hmm. the groom of this dude, you know, mm-hmm. of, of, of the Dunsanies. And this guy is, is an Earl. Like, you know, yeah. he put himself a huge risk to do it. But again, like he, he knew like, this is his child. Like, I don't know the child, but he's mine. His mother's gone. 
I'm all the kid has right now to keep him alive. And I have that responsibility. And so I might go to jail. I might be killed. I might be hung for killing this guy, but I'll save this kid. Right. And so he took a big chance doing that. You know, it's never really talked about much, but it was a yeah. big step. I do know? feel like he, I almost feel like he would have done that even if William wasn't his. I mean, oh, you imagine, yeah. you imagine yeah. some random Joe Schmo pointing a gun at a baby and or oh, no, threatening him out the window. Or, yeah, threatening to throw him out the window, whether show or books. Yeah, like threatening to kill an, an a newborn. Oh, that's and... right. It didn't happen that way in the show. I forgot. Yeah. Sorry. You're fine. <laughs> forgot. Um, regardless, I think that Jamie probably would have done it anyway because you've got a guy threatening to kill a baby. Right. Like, but it does say. I mean, it still again says a lot about his character in that he was willing to take that risk for this this little baby which i mean it has a whole other significance to it when you look at the fact that it's actually a child his child but Mm -hmm. um i think it ups the stakes a lot but and it also was part of him being you know i think because he was a groom of the dunsanies and the dunsanies are like begging this guy you know please don't Mm -hmm. do this blah 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 blah. like he was he could play it off like i'm in their service you know, mm-hmm. and this is important. That, like they right. are going to back me. You know, mm-hmm. um, so that's true too. Yeah. So and he went through a great grief. They didn't show it on the show, but and I wish they had. You know, I know they couldn't get into it, but um, you see it in the Lord John series. They show it. Um, how much true grief and guilt he felt over Geneva's death mm-hmm. he blames himself for that too you know yep. he blames himself because you know it was basically him impregnating her that killed her yeah. so you know it, it yeah. it's really another weight on his back you know and there's a there's a scene in the Lord John books where um he's like actually when her when her casket is in the chapel out in the cold mm-hmm. chapel yeah. remember this is January William is born in January you know, mm-hmm. it's freaking cold out there, you know. And so there he's in the she her body's laying in the stone chapel, and John walks in and Jamie is laying bare shirt, bare chested on the stone flags, just basically like in penance, you know, mm-hmm. because that's what he learned when he was with yep, the monks. That's what I was gonna say. Remember what yep. I told you? And so he likes doing that and he's gonna stay there all night in vigil over mm-hmm. her body laying on cold slabs of this stone chapel freezing basically to death you know as a as a penitent he took this very high responsibility on himself Mm -hmm. you know he feels like i was the adult you know i should have taken more precaution whatever Mm -hmm. you know so um so that's another thing now he's left this kid without a mother you know so he kind of feels that yeah i think and and in killing William's father, ironic or stepfather, uh, ironically enough, gains him some time with his son until mm-hmm. it it becomes to a point where they resemble each other so much that Jamie has to leave for um, both of their safety. But and, and that was such an important time because he yeah. he gets this chance that he lost, you know, with Claire, a chance to see a child of his grow. Yeah, a a chance to impart something of himself Mm -hmm. to that child, even if it's under a pretense of being his groom, Mm -hmm. to teach him things. And it really captured his heart to be with Willie 
Um, and he's only left because his presence again became a danger yeah. to him. Right. But it really broke his heart, you know, broke his heart by that point. And it, it, I left, it left an imprint on both of their lives. Like mm-hmm. you see, whenever we pick back up with William, he references that time with Jamie. He doesn't know that Jamie's his father, but that time had a profound impact on William. Profound. And he, profound. he remembers it with fondness. He remembers Mac being a sense of safety and comfort when mm-hmm. he felt like he didn't have anywhere else to go. Um, and so he calls, he calls back to that. And I really hope that we see that in season seven. And then for Jamie, like you said, a chance to see his child grow. It's a chance that he didn't get to see at any other point in his life. And so that was something that he really missed. And so when he had to leave that behind, it was, it was akin to having to leave Claire and all over again, because mm-hmm. he, the, mm-hmm. again, the one so person that, that meant the most to him in the entire world. And he had to give them up for, for their own safety more so than his. So it's mm-hmm. just, ugh. And Ed, Ed Maury, I hope I'm saying your name right, on the board makes a good point that also Jamie's own mother died in childbirth. So yeah. it would be like a big echo to him yeah. that now he took this mother from this child in childbirth, mm-hmm. you know, and, right. and it, it just kind of, I think, would dredge up a lot for him, you know, in that mm-hmm. as well. So that's a great point, Ed Maury. Yeah. So because Jamie left William so young, do you think that his grief over losing William played into his decision to remarry at all? Yes, um, I definitely think so. I think he missed having this influence on this child. He lost Bree and now Willie, and he felt um, this giant void. And here are these two girls that needed a father. He needed a purpose. I, I, you, one of the things you ask is, is, is there something that you think he would have done differently if he didn't have William? Mm-hmm. Or if that wasn't in yeah, the picture. Right. And I really don't think he would have married Leary if it wasn't for the Willie boy. Because before Willie, he didn't have a sense as much of what he was missing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. It's almost like you don't know what you've lost. You don't know what you, you know, what, what something is until you've tried it and then lost it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Then you realize what you've been missing. Exactly. And so it's kind of like that. Now there was this aching hole on top of everything else. This wandering with no purpose. At least he had his purpose of being a groom, taking care of the horses. He became mm-hmm. like the head groom over time, you know, had his own little office there in the stables and all of that kind of mm-hmm. jazz, you know. He kind of had his life situated. He would kind of be around his blood and watch him grow, and that gave him some joy. And now all that just got ripped, and now he's like, now what the freak do I do? Exactly. I don't have Lolly Brock. Jamie has going to, like, young Jamie has Lolly Brock. I can't go mm-hmm. back to that. You know, I'm pardoned, but big whoop. What the hell am I going to do now? You know, and now and the big aching hole in his heart of Mm -hmm. now not having Willie, you know, Mm -hmm. that became such a part of his everyday life interacting Mm -hmm. with him. And that was now a huge hole. And he he wanted to fill it. I think if he didn't have that hole, he just went and found other stuff. You know what I mean? But now he like saw this opportunity. They need a dad. I need, you know, kids to feel like I have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so A meets B, you know. Yeah. C. Right. Yeah. I don't think it didn't have anything to do with Leary. And I think that was the sticking point for Claire when she first found out about it is that it's Leary. Like you married Leary. How could you do that? And it wasn't about Leary. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, part of the reason Jamie was so taken aback by, because he didn't really think of it that way. Like he was mm-hmm. focused on the kids 
And like they needed a father and they needed a provider. And I had the ability to do that for them. And I needed them as much as they needed me. And so it was very much a give and a take relationship. And I think Jamie just separates out his relationship with Claire into this own little bubble outside of himself. And he like, thinks yeah, that, that it, can never rehappen anyway. Right, it's not exactly. like that's ever going to be. So yeah. he didn't really view it as a betrayal of his relationship with Claire the same like because it wasn't you all if you're just a show watcher mm-hmm. um rather than it's read the different. books yeah. it's very different because mm-hmm. in the show Jamie had no idea that Levery was behind the witch trial he had no idea that right. you know so he didn't know that she was out you know the worst that Leary did was put the little that he knew of was put the little the little charm thing under her bed, you know? Right. Um, and he just looked at that as like childish BS. You know what I mean? Right. Like he did yeah. not know she was part of that witch trial and, she, and Claire never said it because she felt like, well, it's in the past anyway. We're not back at Lee off the care. You know, why bring right. it? Why, you know, start shit? You know, basically was her uh, yeah. idea in it. Um, so she never told him. And so I personally know, like he would have never married her in right in, if he had you know if for real in the book like world he would have never actually married her had he known this girl for tried sure. to kill claire that was kind of a mistake they made in that season not anticipating i think what was to mm-hmm. come so um but that was like a hard pill to swallow on a show for me yeah for sure I was like okay he would have never done that i can understand people thinking why would what? you marry her you know because yeah, exactly. like, so he knew yeah um so yeah, that was, that was weird. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, mm-hmm. like, because he did, he, because he didn't know, it was easy for him to just kind of whistle it, past it. Yeah. yeah, whistle past it and almost like. And he did initially have attraction for her before he met Claire. He like yeah. had a little attraction. Mm-hmm. They had a little smoochy smoochies. Mm-hmm. So he figured, well, you know, just like Claire was kind of able to like make it make a life whatever with with frank because she did care about him she did love him wasn't jamie but mm-hmm. she did you know he feels like okay i can grow to kind of like her and care about her we have an we had an attraction you know maybe it'll work he doesn't think he's ever going to see claire again you know yeah so this is like he has to do something with himself you know yeah. so I and i it. think i think his marriage to larry ends up being far more of a hot mess than he ever could have imagined um just because she's she's pretty emotionally scarred by what she's been through in her two previous marriages on top of the fact that she's got a volatile personality anyway mm-hmm. um so yeah, yeah i think she went through a lot of hell and that's not really did. brought out much except through marsley later mm-hmm. but we where they find little things out but she really had some yep. horrific experiences with her first husband yeah. and again i do wonder if maybe that'll be touched on maybe a little bit in this next season maybe if they do that whole if, part, they, yeah. if they do that yeah um so we'll see <clears throat> but again I think that it's all just propelling Jamie forward towards this point in time where Claire returns and it's honestly so funny because it's not funny but it's ironic because you see him like struggling to put the pieces back together struggling to take it the next step forward and make something of his life and get back to some sort of normalcy and then the minute that he feels like he's really treading water it just like just all implodes again and it's 
that's Jamie Fraser's life, right? The minute you think you're doing all right and you're starting to cruise and it just all comes crashing down. Hillary on the board says, why do you think Isabel was shown as such a homely woman on the show? I don't remember her being unattractive in the book. I think they wanted to make it look like she was always in the shadow of her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like her sister was the pretty one. Her sister was the, like they wanted to show that, up, you know, up the, up the scales on that dynamic. It really wasn't necessarily that way in the book. You're right. But I, yeah. I think they always try to like infuse with more drama, infuse yeah. more, um, more, ex- um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Extremes with things. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. You know, they want to show how far apart things are and make more drastic differences and things like that to point things up with the mm-hmm. visuals. And so I think that's why they did that personally. I would even. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think it was very much to show that Geneva got the best marriage and Geneva was like the darling of the house because she had the best shot of, you know, like. She I was think the horse woman, yeah. you know, and she, she was, was the, you know, the more impressive of the two sisters, I think is how they were. And, he, and she was the up. one they were banking on mm-hmm. saving their farm with the money from her yeah. marriage and all that other crap. So like she was where all their, their bread was buttered, so to speak. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I would hate to feel like a bargaining chip. Wait, I mean, can you imagine feeling like that? You know, no. like your whole life is about, you know, being who you're going to marry basically so like you're being a slave money. you're being sold yeah. you know yep your property yeah it's awful it is. i always feel that's one thing thank that god i feel for... so terrible about reading <laughs> historical fiction. oh my god <laughs> <Yeah>. yes <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah Thanks thank you ladies. for that yeah. <laughs> so i hate that oh man i know so like i said jamie starts to kind of his and Leary's relationship devolves pretty quickly. And so he decides to move to Edinburgh to kind of still, the reason he does that is to still be able to provide for the girls, but it kind of takes the, the marriage element out of it in a lot of ways. He's still their financial provider, but he's not really a a husband. Um, Just because I think he realizes pretty quickly that. Which was done back then. I mean, Dougal did it with his wife. I mean, like, you know, there, they do where, you know, some, some marriages were like marriages of arrangement and, you know, you basically went home every once in a while, but you did your thing other ways. And, you know, based like sometimes you have marriages like that. He didn't go home, get the wife pregnant and go back to whatever you were doing. Like create yeah, babies. Just send me the money. Just send me the money. Just send me the money. Show me the money. <laughs> um, I love doing these with you, Chelsea. I love having something to banter with. It gets so lonely. It gets I know, so lonely on my shows. <laughs> I just banter with myself. <laughs> banter with yourself. <laughs> how's that go <laughs> i think that's I'm probably why i'm some... a little nuts that's why i'm a little nuts probably oh man so anyway in being a financial provider for his new family that jamie's created which is another thing that we see over and over again throughout the series is jamie creating a family around him not necessarily those that are his blood 
but that's a whole other subject. Um, so he goes to Edinburgh and he kind of creates a bunch of different identities for himself within this one life as a Malcolm. Yes. And yes. Um, that oh, another one, a bunch of his identities, which actually was the the one word theme of Voyager was identity. Yeah. And it like Jamie has all these identities through the whole thing, which I think is but they yeah. all are a part of him, which is yeah, if it, it, they're all a part of him, and then by the end of the book, he comes back to his true identity, and yeah, but and all he, of those little pieces become part of yeah, this, like re, 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 re original identity. Yeah, kind of infuses all these little pieces into yeah. it, which is why we're doing this show, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I just, I think it's cool that by the end of Voyager, though, he's, like, embraced all those sides of him, I guess. And it's, like, Mm -hmm. I'm still Jamie Fraser. It's, like, that line in season six that he had when he's talking to Ian about, because Ian's struggling with whether he's Mohawk or whether he's, you know, Jamie's nephew, like, whether he's a a Murray. And uh, Jamie says... I've been called so many things in my life, but you know, it doesn't really matter. Like you call yeah, yourself example. whatever you want to call yourself. Like, yeah. Yeah. And there's so. going to be side and what and same thing with Ian, there's times where he's got to tap into each side, mm-hmm. you know, um, right. and both sides become, uh, make him much stronger of a whole, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so exactly. you see that with Jamie only with more sides. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's more sides than just yes. two. For sure. So, smuggler, seditionist, printer, how do all of these hobbies broaden our view of Jamie's character? So, like I said, Voyager is about identity, and and season three is where Jamie acquires all of these alter egos. Um, They all become sides of himself. They all build his ability and knowledge and character. And so, just in that little ember time, you have the Jamie Roy identity which was his smuggler on the docks identity you know um you have his qed identity which was his seditionist you know writings you know yeah. you have his a malcolm which was his printer side like all this just in that little edinburgh pocket yeah um he had just there like multiple identities going mm-hmm. on at the same time that he's juggling plus he's you know mr fraser <laughs> you know that is leary's yeah. wife sending her off money back and leary's husband um each thing, though, conjures a different shade of Jamie's persona, as does all the rest of his nicknames, the Dom Bonnet, Alex McKenzie at Hellwater, Red Jamie on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. All these are a different part of his spirit and nature, mm-hmm. and they all kind of form so that when he is on the ridge eventually, all of those things do end up pulling in at different spots to, to kind of yeah. get him through a moment. You know, he kind of touches back into all of those things. Yeah at one time or another Mm -hmm. even in his search for his bonnie (laughs) eventually poor bonnie Um, yeah his bonnie is his printer being used so callously yes how dare they treat mistreat my bonnie (laughs) oh my god that's oh man i do think that it says a lot although bonnie bit the dust on this show oh she was toast on this show we never saved bonnie Burnt to bits. Bonnie bit the dust. Yeah. Bonnie bit the dust. Um, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. 
It was something about this. I don't. It's gone. I don't know. <laughs> all of his. We were talking about all his different personas and how they all kind of fused into his end personality on the ridge and how he runs the ridge. He uses and taps into all of them. Is that triggering you at all? Or nope. No. It's like it's there, but it's not there, so it's fine. Okay. Um, it'll probably will pop up. Yeah. So with all of this going on. With all these different irons in the fire, as my grandpa would say, um, mm-hmm. what do you think Jamie's expectation of his future was at this point? Like, this is before, like, we've, a lot of people, like, it, they just whistle past the fact That's a that great question. he didn't expect Claire to come back. Like, Mm-mm. she dropped out of the clear blue sky on, mm-hmm. on just a normal day in Jamie Fraser's life. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think his plan was? And I love the way the show really showed that i love that mm-hmm. one thing yeah. i love about matt roberts and his style is he has done that a few times where he shows multiple perspectives of the same mm-hmm. moment that's like one of his little yep. things um and i love that they did that on the show where you kind of saw that moment t- in two ways because mm-hmm. it really did show like he was just going through another day in the life yeah you know it really kind of got that idea across because we never really saw that in the book mm-hmm. you know what his life was right we did get the sense of it because all of a sudden you know claire's just mm-hmm. thrown into the the friggin craziness of his life you know but but it really kind of like he had his routine you know mm-hmm. with the little you know lady fixing his thing and you know and him walking through the streets like, you know, John Travolta strouting along in Saturday Night Fever <laughs> and, you know, kind of feeling like, okay, I got my shit together. I got my ducks in line. I got, you know, whatever. Right. And um, and so, you know, he finally feels like, okay, I have a life somewhat patched together and here comes Claire. <laughs> and everything's up. My feeling is to your question, which is what was his plan or whatever you said, mm-hmm. um, that, that I feel like he just figured, you know what? I'm on borrowed time. You know, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. And, I, and that's like just my opinion. I feel like he felt like I should have been dead. I've been supposed to be dead all this time. You know, my right now, I really don't care if I die. Like he yeah. still really does it. He lives his life kind of with this sense of risk mm-hmm. as he says. In, and I think it was in the book. Well, I don't know if it was in the book, in the show or not, but I know it was in the book. Where he says, um, you know, I forgot what it's like for when to, to care, to, for things to matter, yeah. you know? Yep. Um, he says, to, you know, I forgot. Like, he was like, she's like, well, you don't have to worry about me. He goes, no, I don't have to worry about you. You know, what do you mean I don't have to worry about you? You know, I got this, I got, you know, mm-hmm. all this crap that's going on. Like, there was things that happened, and, you know, with the yeah. guy that was killing people and all these other things. And he's like, you know um what do you mean I don't have to worry about you of course I have to worry about you you know right and then he's like you know I forgot yeah <laughs> I, yeah, forgot, I forgot, forgot what it was like, like. yeah you know to actually care if I live or you know what what ends up happening because he was living his day day to day taking risks not really caring because what was the worst that's going to happen be put in jail he's been in jail be uh, uh, scheduled to be you know, killed or hung or whatever. Like he's been in that position before and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, I'm going to yeah. do what I can live my life, do whatever, take risks because it doesn't matter if I live or die. Now when Claire comes back, all of a sudden everything has to go 180 yeah. because now 
things matter, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really thought that was very telling in his perspective at that time period, yeah. you know? He was, was willing like, to take um, all kinds of risk. It was like what Janie says to John in the Ardsmere episode, whenever John's threatening him to find out about the gold. And he's like, you're going to be hard pressed to do something to me that hasn't already been done to me. Like, yes. <laughs> just like, yeah, that's the exactly. truth. Like, you know, bring it, bring it on baby. You know what right. I mean? Like bring do your what work. You, yeah. Do what you must. Like, it's, yes. um, but I remembered what I was going to say. So we've oh, got good. all these, we've got all these different identities for Jamie. And I think that what he did was very clever in dividing each of them out, sectioning out each sector of his life, if you would, where you've got the smuggler, the seditionist, the printer, his actual identity, so that if his identity is ever compromised in any one of those, he can easily disappear without dismantling his entire life. So I think that that was extremely clever. And that's where we really start to get to see his um, almost like not quite political savvy, but kind of mm-hmm. how he strategizes in a way. Mm-hmm. So that, Very good. that was yes. marked about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, in, in that, I think is a big part of that time. Um, his way of, you know, working shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also his sense of, I have nothing to lose. Yeah. Mentality. You know, right. that's, that's what it was. He said, you know, I forgot what it is to have something to lose. You know, that's yeah. what he said. Um, and so, it, it, you know, that was a big feeling that he had. Like, I'm living with a lot of risk because what do I have to lose? I have nothing to lose, you know? Exactly. Now he had something to lose when he had Claire back. So it changed everything. Oh, yeah. And to- you see it- him start to spin his life back around, you know, mm-hmm. um, from what it was very quickly. It really turned him upside down when she came back. Like, he's just like, oh, shit. Like, I have to reevaluate everything now because... Mm-hmm the life that I envisioned living for however long I had left, like none of that is on the table anymore. Like we have mm-hmm. to, we have to come up with a plan Z <laughs> because <laughs> things are different now again. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, so once yeah, that, that was back, very awkward of Claire to just show up out the blue like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she should have found a way to get him some sort of message. <laughs> yeah. Walking um, through, it's not uh whatever the hell his name is, Jordy. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, it's not Jordy. <laughs> Am I like hearing things? <laughs> I'm sure he thought he was hearing things. He probably, I did. mean, he probably thought he was hallucinating. We've seen, yeah, we've seen a couple of times where he's hallucinated her, and so mm-hmm. that's really not a stretch. And I think mm-hmm. that's um we kind of see that in season six a little bit whenever he sees her um walking through Ardsmere prison whenever he's being flogged again and um yeah it's just uh, I feel so bad for Jamie like I feel like yeah. that's 90 percent of my feelings for Jamie is oh I just feel so bad for him <laughs> I love him to pieces yeah, it's like it's like you know it takes a drastic turn because in that Edinburgh time he learned to, there was all these little shattered bits of his life, you know, and he learned how to like glue everything together to just a function, 
he didn't worry about consequences you know he lived yeah. dangerously right and when Claire returns that all has to change again and now there's something to lose and that changes everything again but he does like, now he's like I gotta tell my family when am I gonna, how am I gonna explain you <laughs> I already came up with a cover You'll story, Claire. I love that Claire goes, you think of something. Thanks. <laughs> He's like, I guess I will. She's like, I guess you will. I'm I'm really glad to see a Sassanac, but uh, this really throws a wrench in the works. <laughs> yeah, it's like got all kinds of shit of fire going on all over the place. Hillary says, Sam and you like Ewan. Claire just is like pulls up her skirts. All right, let's go. You know, I'm right. in. I'm in for a penny. I'm in for a pound. Let's go. <laughs> Hillary says in the comments, she's uh, Sam Hewen was asked in an interview, "What advice would you give to your character?" And he said, "Do not go anywhere near her." <laughs> Meaning Claire. Yeah, I'm like, he's not. Yeah. Just run the other way, Davy. She's gonna ruin your life. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, as if it was. And, in and the I know this said, I think, with. I like when he says, too, that she catches his breath sometimes. That was one of the yeah. quotes that Sam said about Claire. Yeah. Like, sometimes he just turns and looks at her and he catches his breath. It's like, oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> he just has such a good understanding of who Jamie is. He I feel does. like. Um, and I love that he has like, a good relationship with Diana where if he has mm-hmm. questions, he goes to her and stuff. I think that helps a lot too, you know. Oh yeah. She can kind of tell him like what's going on in the brain, you know. I saw a recent interview. They were talking about season six. I can't remember what interview it was. It might have been the gold derby one. But he was talking about how he really takes on a sense of responsibility with uh Jamie's character because he's the constant at this point like everybody has changed around him as far as the show's concerned and he really views it as his responsibility to be Jamie's voice and they were talking about being producers he said and I found it with the writing he said we had really good writers in season six luckily um and he said some writers just don't understand Jamie's voice the way that I do and he was like as a producer I feel like I can speak up and say no Jamie wouldn't do that or Jamie wouldn't say that whereas before in the show he felt like he didn't have that I know I'm very glad because you definitely see I definitely see a difference difference. Jamie in the show Mm -hmm. like from when that happened forward you can see Jamie is well I mean it's a natural progression as well but it's also I think his input Mm -hmm. um to reflect him properly as a leader because they did always want to seem to overshadow him Mm -hmm. with Claire and you kind of see them on a lot more equal footing. I hope that continues. Yeah. Um, where it's not like Superwoman Claire and Jamie just kind of gives Claire whatever you think is best, Claire. You know, like I didn't hate, I didn't like that way that they his vibe was in the earlier mm-hmm. seasons. So, and then you see that really kind of almost practically gone now. It is gone. I yeah. mean, I, don't, I haven't really seen it in season six or even really back half of season five. I so do I'm, wonder. I'm hoping that continues. <laughs> I do wonder if they noticed that as a discrepancy and so they used Claire's huge mental breakdown over the course of season six to kind of course correct that and so as we see her recover from her trauma she's a different more less superwoman e type of character I don't know I'm just hoping that they don't go well we had to keep her on the back burner because of her pregnancy and 
could put her out front as much. So we're gonna make up for that in season seven. <laughs> I hope I they don't not. go that route. Uh, oh, and let Jamie be Jamie. I remember I used to run with the hashtag back in like season four, and you know, oh, that whenever was it was season, season four and season, I used to be like hashtag let Jamie be Jamie. <laughs> Let Jamie be Jamie hashtag. That was like a hashtag I had going for a while with people. You know, free him. That's funny. Free Jamie. (laughs) You know, let our king of men be the king of men. No, but I mean, I I definitely like the the more like stronger view of him that we Mm -hmm. have seen in these last two seasons. Yeah, Um, for sure. it's It's definitely welcome. So I hope they stick with it. Yeah. Okay, so... Part of the whole rigmarole that happened as a result of Claire coming back is um, they ended up in America. So this is a mm-hmm. whole new set of um, years. I, I think I saw somewhere where the, the books are broken into like Scotland, the Ridge years and the revolution. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of how they're divided. So um, starting in book four, which is what you're covering now in the Outlander cast clan gathering, uh, we're we're starting the Ridge Years. Gaslander Cast Clan Book Club. Sorry. Gathering, you're not allowed to talk the book. Yes. So we're over there in our little Outlander Cast Clan <laughs> Book Club. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the gathering is for the show. It's, if you're it's it's just show talk. <laughs> yes, I know. I hate um, it. I hate that. <laughs> I have no control of it though. So it's, oh, out, it's out of my hands. Yeah. All righty. So they're in America. And mm-hmm. this really brings a whole other load of issues both politically personally we get a new villain it's really just it's very different um and you were talking Mm -hmm. about Stephen Bonnet a little bit which I didn't really put on the outline so um but yeah you want to talk about him at all like Jamie's relationship with him or lack thereof no, you you kind of talk about his decision between Tryon and Jocasta, but you don't mm-hmm. really talk about you don't talk about Bonnet now. But that is a huge thing. I, I mean, know that's that is why definitely I... a huge thing for that whole triad of books. Oh yeah. Um, the choice that he makes there. I mentioned it when we talked you about Kate. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, that was the that was something where sometimes Jamie's ends up having the biggest mistakes happen as a result of his conscience you know in a, in a weird like ironic way yeah um you know he his feeling bad about what happened to Hayes and him getting hit in this soft spot um where he makes this choice from heart instead of head um gets up getting in trouble there and you see that happen in a few spots with Jamie where uh, the same thing with with beating instead of like getting all the story about mm-hmm. Roger about you know what happened with the rape, yeah, and talking first like he just kind of like I'm eliminating this threat to my daughter you know, <laughs> um so you know all of these things Jamie tends to lead with the heart sometimes and when he does that over his thought process and that's why you've seen him start to learn from that as time mm-hmm. goes by but in the beginning. And the thing is, uh, with this whole move to America, for Jamie, this is the first time he's really in a situation where it is completely foreign ground in more ways than one. You know, it's like all the systems in place, all, you know, 
the Native Americans. And, and you saw, like, in the beginning, he had this idea, again, stereotyping, right, idea of what they were going to be. They were going to be savages that were going to rip our hearts mm -hmm. out and eat it in front of our face and all this other stuff, you know, and all the things he heard, the stories he mm -hmm. heard and what he believed from them. Um, and then he gets kind of, he learns, like, mm -hmm. this is not that way. We actually have a lot of, comp like, all the things he learns and, and grows from in that. Yeah. Um, but this is a world that's, that's, you know, not just Scottish and English people. We got people from all over the place with all their own heritage and culture mm -hmm. and everything else. And this is where I think his time in Paris and other things where he was exposed to other cultures comes into play to mm -hmm. help cope with sure. that, you know. Um, and then you also have the whole legal system and the way things work here. Um, you have, and like he said to Ian, you know, we're in a place with a lot of dangers that I didn't yet can. You know, that was on the show. And that's very true, yeah. you know, for him. He he doesn't like being on unsure ground, you mm -hmm. know. He wants yeah. to, okay, I can deal with being in any kind of BS that, that you throw right. my way, but I need to know what it is. You know, I, yeah. like, I need to have the rules so I know how to get around them. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, And he doesn't like have his bearings yet in this place. And all he's got is this little pocket of jewels um that he had we didn't even talk about that but For that now. you know all that stuff yeah. but you know we'll skip it i guess um but all he has is this little pocket of jewels mm -hmm. that he's kind of going well at least i'm not totally broke which yeah. of course changes but yeah. um you know like that's that's all he really has you know, like he's trying as he goes to quickly process Mm -hmm. um, all of the different things that's going on, you know, quickly process the rules here and the issues here and the political problems here and all of the different ways things operate here because he's got to try to, because it's not just him, you know, he's oh, got yeah. Claire, he's got Ian, he's got Fergus, he's got Martin, he's got this whole crew of people depending on him in a place that he doesn't know how shit works. So he's got to, you know, figure things out quickly. And so you see him in this constant intake processing mode you know yeah um to find out how things run and how things work and how what the political struggles are so it's really kind of you're seeing him hitting this like reset button yeah. you know um when he comes to the new world it's so interesting that claire is always like oh you'll figure it out but honestly it's it's kind of not always that way she has such confidence in him but i found that <laughs> I she feel does. that she, uh, he tends to, whenever he thinks outside of the box and really like takes time to process things in an unconventional manner, usually he comes out on the better side of things. But when he lets his impulsive nature take over and acts according to convention and what's it, what would be like a typical reaction, that's when mm -hmm. things tend to go south. Um, also, mm -hmm when he lets his emotions get in the way. Like, so Jamie does kind of, as much as he's a very stoic character, sometimes he does kind of wear his heart on his sleeve. And, and, and that, that does become kind of a, a problem. And I think he learns to deal with that. And like, like you said, kind of sit back, take a deep breath, look at things from outside and come to a decision and I think that's an evolution that we see especially in the Ridge years I mean he's we definitely see it in his evolution as a character over the course of like Voyager and season three but we really start to see that from 
season four to season six or drums through a breath really, of the whole ashes. caribbean thing i think was good to kind of transition him to the new world to kind of let him see slavery for the first mm-hmm. time to kind of give him a taste of okay i'm moving out of my element yeah I'm moving into the like it kind of was a place where he had to kind of go by the seat of his pants with things right. and kind of get through um and so at least like when he ended up in this new place, I mean, literally they landed mm-hmm. and he's like, where the hell are we? <laughs> like, I don't even know where the hell I am right now. You know, <laughs> what island is this? Oh, this is Georgia. And he looks at Claire. Like, what is Where's that Georgia? Yeah. <laughs> She's like America. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, I guess I'm freaking here now, you know. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, and all he's got is like his little sewed in his pocket, little freaking jewels, and that's it, you know. That's it. Um, so it's it's a lot. It's a big, big like restart button for him. Yeah. I do think he has to get his bearings. I do think that the the Caribbean does act as a bit of a adjustment period. It kind of not only gets him used to slavery and that kind of stuff, but it also kind of gets him used to the rules, as you referred to it, how things are set up, the system, um, how a royal colony works, Mm -hmm. so that by the time they get to North Carolina, they're very familiar with the system of governors and sheriffs and like all of this stuff. Um, I think it kind of gives him a little bit of a heads up on what he's going to run into with Tryon and how that can easily be corrupted and how the regulators Yeah, because play he knew all it. about it, if you notice. Mm-hmm. When Dryon, well, I don't know if they did, if it was that way, which I can't remember. I've been watching that episode for a while. But but when Tryon proposes this to him, mm-hmm. it's not like he like goes like, oh, wow, land grant. Like, what the hell are you mm-hmm. talking about? Like, he already knew about yeah. it. Like, he already looked into it. Oh, uh, yeah, I've heard about these things. And this is the mm-hmm. rules. And I, can, I can't do this if I'm Catholic. And like, yeah. Basically, Tryon wasn't going to catch him out there and trip yep. him up on stuff. He was going to know what he was talking about. Yes. And so you can see, like, that's not something he and Claire talked about. Claire don't know mm-hmm. anything about it, you know. Right. But he's trying to get his bearings as quickly as possible to yeah. know what's doable here, you know. Yes. Right. And that kind of showed that a little bit. For sure. Yeah. He definitely has um, very educated questions when it comes to, okay, how is this going to work? Um, and I think he's he's got two options in front of him when they when they get to to North Carolina. They know that he knows that he wants to be a landowner of some sort. He kind of want to get wants to get back to those roots, but he knows he has he two options. Feels like he's made for. Yeah, it's what he's. There's no question about that. He was definitely made for that, and in mm-hmm. every facet of his personality, a he can't sit still. He's always got to be doing something. Um, Mm -hmm. that kind of life is perfect for that kind of personality because you never get a moment's rest whenever you're running a large estate. Um, so he's got two valid options. He's got Tryon's offer of a land grant, or he's got Jocasta's offer of river run. And it really comes down to the kind of life he wants to live. And, um, again, you're kind of dealing with the political environment of being, I mean, your kind of default setting, if you take on something like River Run, is to be a loyalist. You're very yeah. tightly ingrained in how how that works. 
you're naturally in that society. And as much as the show made it about slavery and stuff, that wasn't really what it was about. And mm-hmm. correct. So for for Janie and Claire, Fraser's Ridge was an ability to have something that was completely their own and away from drama for now. They knew that it was probably going to come back to bite them in the ass some way, somehow. But um, it wasn't so much about the drama of slavery and stuff. It was more so about having that mesh of politics and BS and being in bed Mm -hmm. with the British Navy. Because that's something that's not pulled up as not, I think, on the show Mm -hmm. in that episode. Um, Because, like you said, they made it all about slavery. And it really was just one little tiny component in Mm -hmm. that part of writing the book. Um, But... But the thing is, he, um, I lost my train of thought. He, he knows from Claire, you know, where, where things are going, you know, um, and being in bed with the, with the Navy. And the thing is that entire community of, of Cross Creek and, you know, the Cape Fear River area, that is their entire economy, their entire economy. With the with the influx of the um, oh my god, it just popped out of my head. But but basically utilizing the colonies to build the ships for the navy mm-hmm. and all of the all the things, the pine, the tar, the, tar, the naval the, contract, the yeah, the naval contract, naval stores act. That's there what I was go. trying to think yeah. of. When that passed, it became Cape Fear became a very high demand area for the Scots to come and, or for, you know, for immigrants mm-hmm. to come because there was a built-in way for them to achieve. If mm-hmm. they worked, they could do something because they had this ability to kind of function their economy around it. Mm-hmm. The entire, that's why they were all loyalists. Their entire economy there is based on supplying the British Navy. Mm-hmm. And really that's the reason that Jocasta wanted him there to be a man to deal with the British Navy and mm-hmm. so that they would listen to him. And so it's kind of like, um, do you want to get in bed with somebody you know is going to eventually not be running this country? You know, like do you want to make your entire world built around this, even if yeah. you didn't want to be involved with the revolution. Eventually they're going to lose. All those people end up having to flee to Canada and stuff, you know? So it's kind of like, you know, he knows this is eventually going to a bad place for these people, you know, mm-hmm. and do I want to build everything I have into that, yep. um, knowing where it's going? You know, of course, he has this knowledge Jocasta doesn't have, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, and then, of course, the slavery and all that is added to it, you know, yeah. but um, but that, you know, that knowing that he would have to depend on the British First of all, nobody wants to do that if you're Jamie mm-hmm. Fraser. You know, you yeah. don't want to have to have your life your life dependent on, you know, the British giving you orders, you know, mm-hmm. for stuff. Um, so that's already gonna be a nick in his crawl, yeah. you know. But um, but on top of that, knowing they're eventually gonna lose, this is all gonna eventually pass, and then what? You know, yeah. I'd have to get the, I'd have to be against my neighbors and put this whole place yeah. into a different place and finagle that in the heart of everything. Yeah. Where if I'm to finagle it out in the mountains, that's more doable yes. than having to finagle it here in Cape Fear, you know. Yep. Um, so uh, they're going to be on the wrong side of the revolution. Also, yeah. he's a man that needs a mountain. Yes. He needs a mountain to be a man, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Well, I think in more ways than one, like he likes that sense of closeness to nature, but also Janie thrives in adversity. So Mm -hmm. he needs that challenge in his life. Yes, man against nature type of thing. Um, I think it's so interesting that going back to the whole river run thing, he saw, he saw how closely Jocasta was relying on the Navy and saw that problem instantaneously and was like, if I were to stay here, there's no feasible way for me to remove River Run from the support of the Navy and keep it afloat. Because they were so interconnected they with were the community. So interconnected that it's mm-hmm. just it was it was an insurmountable obstacle, pretty much, is what it amounted to. And so, like you said, they figured by going to the mountains, they knew that yes, taking a land grant from a royal governor was yes, probably still going to bite them in the rear end. But they could probably deal with it because they were so removed from everything out there that it was easier to maneuver the politics of it versus being down in Cross Creek in the heart of the Loyalist community and right there, very accessible to the royal governor and the Navy and all of that stuff. Right. And one of the things I think that was important, I think that played into his decision of it. you know, helped make him feel better about the decision. Let's put it that way. Um, And it was a little done differently in the show, of course, but um, early on, as they're kind of scouting the area Mm -hmm. is when he runs into the Tuscarora Indians, when he's going to fight the bear and that whole thing happens. And he realizes, okay, like these are normal people. These are people like me, really, you know, like I get these people, you know, blessing the bear and, you know, doing all the things that I would do and praying to the Eric's and all these other things, Mm -hmm. you know, that he's observed. And it made him feel like, okay, I'm not like putting my family out there to have their hearts carved out and eat in front of their face and stuff, you know, like maybe. Like we can, these are not, this is, I had the wrong impression. Like it kind of gave him a little bit of a security to have that interaction that he had, even though it was different. Mm -hmm. Like I said in the book, he had it, he still had it, but it was after the, they kind of already started Fraser's Ridge, but in, in the, in the, I mean, in the show, but in the books, it happened as they were scouting around and making a plan and looking around and stuff, you know? And so it kind of gave him that, that sense of, okay, that, pulled a little bit of that danger off of the Mm -hmm. choice for him you know right yep I agree do you think that after all the events uh at the end of the ridge years and how the the devolving of the community there and all of that do you think that Jamie has any regrets in the end about his decision to build that community on Fraser's Ridge I personally don't I don't think I mean I don't think he has regrets that he should have taken the choice of Jocasta. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that's what you're asking. You know what I mean? Like, I think he never, reg- and I think he's a man that has a lot of pride in the rich, yeah. even oh, with yeah. all of the, all of the, you know, this is a person who basically had gone down to everything stripped from him. You know, as we just all talked mm-hmm. about, you know, everything where he was running away in prison, never expected to see the light of day again when he was in prison, you know, um, then, you know, was this groom and, and somebody else's orders. And now like he's back to being a laird for all intents and purposes and yeah. what he was meant to be. And I think 
that all he knows that's going to come with its ups and downs, you know, mm-hmm. and it's tr- struggles. I mean, nothing like you can't be running a, a community of like 60 families or whatever and not have <laughs> not have issues, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think he has such a sense of purpose in it and mm-hmm. it feeds into all of his caring for a community, having families mm-hmm. under his care um, that I think he wouldn't regret that. I mean, what do you think? Do you think he regrets it? I think that there are probably regrets in how he handles some things, but I don't oh, think there's yeah. any regret. That's natural in, though. You yeah. Know, like we always have regrets and things we do and right. we make the right choice. Yeah. But I don't think that there's any regret in choosing to go out to the mountains and forge a life for him and Claire on their own away from Jocasta's influence. I think that, mm-hmm they did what they needed to do and that they don't, they didn't take that decision lightly to begin with. So I, I do think that they, they feel very comfortable in their, their decision to do that. I don't think that Jamie really regrets it. He might've on the show side of it, he might've regretted it when he found Murtaugh again and found all that issues yeah. there where it was going to put him like, that's of course the show, you know, mm-hmm. um, where he was now going to have to fulfill his thing to the governor, but his godfather is on the other side of this yeah. now, you know, maybe like a little, it's not just nameless people, yeah. um, not nameless, but you know what I'm saying? Right. I know. What you're um, saying. Uh, so that added a different little level of, maybe some regret you mm-hmm. know for him but otherwise i think he's just trying to tread water until the revolution gets far enough that it doesn't matter for him yeah you know he can flip the side you know so yeah um Marta brings an interesting element into it for jamie i don't necessarily know that he would have chosen differently with with creating fraser's ridge and stuff because i think that he felt the need of having something like that in, in his soul, really. And he already knew that there were going to be complexities in, in political views as the revolution approached. And I think he was prepared for that to a certain extent. Um, because Murta came back into it, it made things more complicated. But I think at the end of the day, both Murta and Jamie realized that they're yeah, their Murtaugh own men. got it. Yeah, they're yeah, their Murtaugh, own men. And that um, they in the show. Yeah, that they um they had to go their own way and they had to do what was best for themselves. And that didn't mean that there was any lack of support in the in how they felt about each other. It just meant that they know the future. They know what's happening. And Murtaugh even defends. Jamie's choices yes to his fellow regulator people Mm -hmm. you know and like no he's not this and that he's protecting his people you know like because he knows like that's Jamie you know he's going to protect his people and um and so I like that you know at least uh, that that aspect of it anyway how do you feel in the show and I know this is a touchy subject so in the show yeah I've kind of just put you know what I put on that question on your outline I'll tell you what I wrote do okay, you really let me, want me let to answer this? That's what I said. I think I better just let you answer this. My question was, how does Murta's continued presence in the story impact Jamie for good or ill? Now, 
that's leaving out all of the other impact to the story that we know comes down the pipe as a big snowball. Um, I just feel like by Myrta being in the story, yeah, it made for great drama, but it also kind of took away Jamie's development as a man almost Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. he had a crutch to lean on in the Mm -hmm. show that he didn't have in the books. Mm -hmm. And so it, you were talking earlier about how Claire is very much personified as this superwoman character, especially in earlier seasons. And I felt like Myrta, like by this point in the books, Jamie has already lost everything but Claire. And he's very much standing on his own two feet and not really going to people for advice about things. He's the person that people come to for advice. Um, yeah, I so, think it was especially negative to it. Well, it was a negative choice in a couple choice in a couple things, but I I, I didn't like it in Orange Mirror mm-hmm. because I felt like it really detracted mm-hmm. because all of the stuff that was about his men in the book was about Murtaugh in the show. Yeah. You know, it was about getting help for Murtaugh being sick. It was about, even in that deleted scene, it was about saving Murtaugh from being whipped instead mm-hmm. of just him for doing this for his right. ran- the random men he cared for. Mm-hmm. And of course he's going to want to help Murtaugh, you know, yeah. but to show it as being these stranger men that become family to him because that's mm-hmm. all the family he had. That was important right. for me anyway. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of, to me, it kind of weakened. Um the bond that he had with those men to have Murtaugh always be the person he's talking to and connecting to through that episode. Um, but I understand why they did it, you know, as far as that goes, but oh, yeah. and I know people loved it, you know, people that love Murtaugh, but I just feel like for the story purpose, it, it was mm-hmm. a crutch. But then again, if you want to look at it as the positive of it, that could be turned as a positive for some people that it kept the remnant of the old time yeah. with him. Which is why, you know, and all it. that stuff. Some people like that, mm-hmm. but as far as for the character development, like you're saying, it w- made it a weaker character development, you know, yeah. in my book. Well, and you were talking about how because Myrta was in Ardsmere, we're not getting that bond that Janie has with his fellow prisoners. So as they had example, to retrofit it. They had yeah, to retrofit it a exactly. little bit with some time. That's why we had such a big cold open to start For that art thing. They yeah. really had to show that. You didn't see Murtaugh at all. They said, yeah. oh, he hadn't got there yet, yeah. you know, because they needed to show that, you know, yeah. and they really didn't before. So yeah. um, it was a little bit, I think, of a retrofit to show something mm-hmm. that they kind of shortchanged, I think. Yeah, well. for sure. I, I was just going to say, like, as an example of maybe why show watchers Sorry, my camera's vibrating. Um, Maybe an example for show watchers is that, so season six, kind of, I've heard lots of complaints that it was slow or that people didn't really get it or that they felt like it was repetitive or I've heard, I've heard the gamut. And so I just want to give an example that if they had set the bar earlier with Myrta not being an Ardsmere and Janie had all of that background information, like that relationship with his settlers who end up being his settlers. Think about how that would have impacted the end of season six, because Mm -hmm. you've now got all of these men coming to back him up 
and you've got that relationship to back up that action. It's not about obligation. It's because they feel that loyalty and that affection for Jamie as a person. Whereas because we only get that relationship added at the very beginning of season six, we don't have that knowledge base and that uh, instinctual element to it of, oh, these are Jamie's men. They're going to be there for him no matter what. Like we don't have right, that. And the only two that they actually saw that with are gone. They're dead. Exactly. <laughs> we yeah. the beginning of season four. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, you only really saw that developed with two other guys. They didn't yeah. even show Duncan. No. <laughs> you know, no. So, so you only saw that develop with two other guys, and then both of those guys get mm-hmm. killed as soon as they land in America, you know, yep. first episode. Right. So it's kind of like all these other guys are just kind of fabricated at, after the fact. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, yep. the other bad thing on, on my end, in my opinion, um, only on the Murtai existence is that it detracted from the other characters' relationship with Jane. Right. Um, yeah. and mainly mainly Rogers mm-hmm. and that was an important thing to develop especially in season five it was very important to develop that and put a lot of time into it and instead the whole first half became about this whole conflict with Murta and the right you know it mm-hmm. became about that and yeah. even Rogers hanging became about that when Jamie broke down and got upset instead of him being upset about Roger, which right. really was such a big moment for me mm-hmm. um, in the books where he calls him his son, you mm-hmm. know, and he goes after Tryon and says, you know, you laid hands on my son, you know, yeah. it was like, Oh, you know, you just kind of loved, well, yeah. not loved it because it was a horrible situation, but you know, you just embraced that so much. And that mm-hmm. was just, that was just taken over. So those right. are the things personally for me, I don't like that. And I think for Jamie, it kind of, as far as his development, weaken that bond that he has with Roger. And now they kind of have to make that up a little bit, but it's yep. hard now to do. Yeah, for because sure. Now, you know, what's going to, things are going to happen that, you know, you only had so much time to do that. Exactly. <laughs> so to speak. Yep. Um, so um, anyway. So which aspect. That's all I'm saying on Murta. My lips are sealed after this. So you can talk. <laughs> you can you can keep talking about Murta. I don't want to get myself. No, in trouble. I'm done. I'm in enough we're, trouble. We're closing the book on Murta. <laughs> we're going to move to the next question. Um, um, actually, you skipped the whole thing on the, the, the powers. Are we going to get back to that? Because I'm moving We talked down about that on the last one. Did we? I don't uh-huh. remember saying. Uh, all yeah, because I, I skipped and went down to it. <laughs> Oh, because we were talking about Celtic Christianity and all of that. Yeah. And we talked about, you said, do we think we'll see more of this in the future? Did we talk about that? Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't remember talking about it. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. We can talk about it again if you want. (laughs) Um, Well, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, he's definitely, there's a lot more of that in the book. Mm Mm-hmm. And he, in the book, is kind of like a dreamwalker, astral projection in his dreams. And, you know, we see it's something very prevalent in almost all of the main characters. They have something, you know, um, there's the Mac Mojo and there's the, you know, all the different things I always talk about um, in, in the in the books. But in the show, according to Tony Graffia, they don't want to put light on the supernatural aspect of the show. And so they downplay a lot of that um, aspect. And this, 
you know, spoiler alert, that picks up prevalence, mm-hmm. you know, in the books as the books progress. So it's going to be harder and harder to kind of circumvent that. Mm-hmm. Um, and several of the main characters have certain talents. Um, so if they keep ta- downplaying that and going for that aspect, some things will get lost. And that'll be sad for me because I really love all that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Celtic and Native American mysticism. Yeah. The time travel, the dreams, the sight, the spirit connections with the dead, the mag mojo. I love all the lore that's mixed in. It's like one of my favorite things about mm-hmm. um, the, the the series. So I will miss it. Um, they did put it in season four with the dream of Jamie kissing Bree behind the ear and seeing the birthmark. The only downside to that is that they never paid it off because it's paid off in the books because they're there when the baby's born and he actually does that kisses her behind mm-hmm. her and on the yeah. birthmark that never actually <laughs> because he wasn't there um so it, it so that never happened and one thing i noticed little boo-boo is they showed a shot right after it was like shortly after she got to the thing after mm-hmm. she got to the ridge actually i know it was like i think it was in that it was near that episode when she first came back and it was, oh, I know what it was. It was when she was going through the stones and she had her hair up and they kind of did this circle thing around her and you saw right behind both of her ears, no birthmark. And it was like shortly after he just said that. <laughs> and I was like, they should have put a birthmark there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, um, but I do hope that they kind of, re, you know, Tony is like, that's not our show. We're not a supernatural show. I'm like, you're a time travel show. That's supernatural, you know. Um, yeah. But so hopefully they'll rene- they'll kind of come back on that because that becomes kind of important. You yeah. Know? And, uh, and I agree. To, especially if we get a season eight, that becomes more important even then. So For we'll sure. see. I agree. But uh, that's all I wanted to say. Okay, we can come back down. And think, I don't remember saying that, honestly. So. Yeah. I did re-listen to the episode, so I know we oh, talked about it, but oh, it's okay. okay. Well, then just edit this out, what I said. <laughs> um, so. Sorry. It's okay. Um, so which aspects right. of Jamie's character and personality do you think are most prevalent in the Ridge years? Oh, wow. Okay. Um. What obstacles? I'm trying to find where where you're asking. Sorry, it's under moving to America and then creating Fraser's Ridge. Okay, um, is it the one where you said what obstacles to the Fisher folk and the Christies present mm, above that? Jamie's role as Lair of Fraser's Ridge seems like a fulfillment of the dream until it's not. Um, okay, so what, what, again, say say your question. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's terrible. This is why I prep. See what I'm saying? She's <laughs> like, you don't have to prep thing. I'm like, yes, I do. So I don't sound like a moron. <laughs> I just asked, uh, which aspects of Jamie's character and personality do you think are most prevalent in the Ridge years? Okay. Definitely um, his leadership um, mm-hmm. ability, of course, his problem solving skills, his, um, and, and it can sometimes be a fault for him, but his perfectionism, oh, yeah. you know, uh, is also something I think he utilizes his ability, his emotional intelligence and his ability to negotiate people, mm-hmm. you know, um, which also is a very big ability of Rogers. And it's one of the things I think, like I always tell people that I feel like Jamie 
the men that he has in his life in the story are all like a piece of himself that he bonds with them in the, in that regard, you know? So with Lord John, it's like that whole heads, you know, like that whole gentleman culture, education, all that kind of thing, you know, um, and honor and all that kind of stuff, you know, with Fergus, you know, he kind of can talk to Fergus about all like the manipulation and the smuggling and the, you know, all of that kind of stuff and the Weasley stuff, you know, and with Ian, it's the warrior part of him, you know, and then with Roger, it's that negotiating people skills and being able to, to communicate with all the different levels and make things work. Mm -hmm. um, and so he kind of goes to each of these people as different needs arise to kind of be his right. partner in that, you know, which I kind of love. Yeah. Hillary says, Claire always talked about how she liked winter on the ridge because they were isolated and protected. No one could climb up the mountain to them to bother them in the winter. Yes. That's another good reason of why he, he likes that space. And they always talk about in the book that like there was a part where they were bringing like, the wagon up and, like one of the guys was like, "Why the hell did McNet, you know, McDo put this thing where that you know you can't access it and all of that stuff, you know?" <laughs> so, last topic, kind of, it's a decent. Well, I, not completely the last topic, I guess, but we're starting to wrap up on the the, the covering of the seasons. Um, so season five into season six really focuses on the creation of the community at Fraser's Ridge. Um, mm -hmm. and then season six really focuses on the destruction of that community, like kind of the mm -hmm. implosion of that community. Um, so yep. what obstacles, like, so Jamie has all kinds of different people coming to settle, but in season six, he has the Fisher folk that come along with Tom Christie. And this is really where we start to get that hard divide line in the sand of different beliefs and how if you don't have the right recipe to mix it all together if you don't have a good solution or a good way to bring people together then it could get really messy really quick and I think we mm -hmm. we kind of see that happen in season five and season six so what obstacles do the Fisher folk and the Christies present that challenge Jamie the most well, I think it's also, well, partly it's a, it, in the show, I, I'm talking the show, it partly mm -hmm. is definitely a power struggle mm -hmm. um, because they kind of bring it in as Tom is already a leader of these people. Mm -hmm. And so it's, they're used to following his lead, his direction and all that kind of stuff on the show. And so when they come in, you know, now Jamie is the laird. He's their landlord. Mm -hmm. He has to, like, say, look, uh, you know, that was then and this is now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they have to kind of roll with that. Um, <clears throat> that was a little different than the, than the books, but but it's still kind of he had some of the similar some similar things because mm -hmm. they did see Tom as a leader. Um, yeah. The people that were Protestants. He was the Protestant leader, him and Hiram. Um, so. So, you know, it really came, they made it more, I think, about religion uh, in the books, but there was like this rivalry and it kind of mm -hmm. tapped into old stuff that, that Jamie had kind of, they, they had both kind of matured out of, you know, hey, you ever have that where, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're old enough to have that happen to you yet, but 
something where back in the day you had this issue and when you're back around that person all of a sudden you're like 20 years younger again you just you fall right, right back, back into, into it, into it. And yeah yep. you fall right back into that animosity well that's kind of like how it felt like with him it was like right away they were kind of like little dogs you know like being alpha dogs trying to claim their stake where they probably had gotten out of that apart for so long but you know they yep. were kind of doing that but then again there was it's almost like a love hate not a love hate but you know it's almost like a push pull with him because mm-hmm. there was a lot of Jamie that respects Tom mm-hmm. you know um and, and some of that I think got lost on the show but there was a big part of Jamie that respects Tom dependent on Tom mm-hmm. and now that's kind of gonna that pays off a little in the finale and probably in next season as well yeah um that you see that side of it you know what I mean um but the Fisher folk are they're causing a divide because there's so many of them mm-hmm. and they're all following and they're all kind of bonded over their religion. Mm-hmm. And Jamie is the, the tainted papist, you know, and the Highlander where the Fisher folk were more on the coast mm-hmm. as opposed to in the, there was like a very different in just the way they lived in their, in their abilities. They didn't really have the abilities to survive on the mountain. Right. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. That's why that like a lot of people are, are, you know, look at the show and say, you know, God, they're still in shacks. And didn't they do anything by it? You have to understand, these people knew nothing. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. They knew nothing about how to build houses, how to do anything. Like, everything they were kind of learning on the fly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jamie and them helped a little bit where they could. But their progress wasn't going to be as fast as Jamie's or, right. or the other people were. Because they didn't have that know-how. They were fisher folk. That means yep. they were on the coast fishing for a living mm-hmm. they didn't build houses they didn't deal with farms they didn't milk cows they didn't do any of that stuff yeah. you know what i mean so this was like a whole new world and so to navigate in a whole new world you go to what you know and what mm-hmm. they know is tom christie yeah and so he's gonna it's gonna be a hard thing for jamie to get them to understand you know i'm the boss now you know yeah. it's my my place you know right. if you're gonna live here you got to deal with that and that constantly is like an abrasive thing and then of course there's claire who they mm-hmm. They're very superstitious. Mm-hmm. They see her as a witch, you know, yeah. or whatever they see her as. And so that also, you know, like, you know, he's like the devil with the red hair. <laughs> and she's his witch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you got Clint, you got Bree over there being all, you know, brazen, making stuff and being like manly in herself. And doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so. It's like this whole freaking family to the rich folk, I mean, to the Fisher folk, the, the whole family is nuts. You know, the only yeah. one that's worth shit to them is, is Roger. Roger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Finally, Roger's good for something. Yeah. He's been this whole rich life, you know? Um, yeah. So he's the only one that's kind of trying to forge the, the mm-hmm. bonds and, you know, create space. And like, they can't even believe like, well, you know, this papist lets you marry his daughter and you're a Protestant. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, if it's, we're like, we're cool that way. It really starts to bring back. I think the creators, like the executive producers talked a little bit at the beginning, like before season six about how they tried to bring Scotland back into the show a little bit mm-hmm. this season. And I think you see, you know, the physical. They did investment in that with Ardsmere and all of that but you also see it in bringing the fisher folk to the ridge because mm-hmm. back in season one one of the things that we dealt with a lot and with Claire's witch trial and all of that was this distrust of anything other 
and the superstition of people that had never been more than five miles from their house. Mm -hmm. Like they just don't understand the ways of the world and all of that stuff. And we're thrown right back into that with season six. So I think that's another way that they really brought, brought Scotland into they did it um, a lot in yeah. season six. You really mm-hmm. saw, like, you know, in multiple spots between the Ardsmere cold open and then the thing with Bonnie Prince Charlie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the, the, the idea of throwing back to, yep. like, the, the time when they were in prison together. And mm-hmm. this, like, Keith Larson that was with him at that point. All the way through, you're kind of seeing little throwbacks to that. The kilt, the whatever, you know. Yep. So they try, they try. Yep. Um, because they know people miss that. I mean, it's like I said in my drum study, there was a crew of people um, that when drums came out, like mm-hmm. they were like, I'm out, you know, I'm out on Diana, I'm out on the story. Because it's not in Scotland anymore. Exactly. And so that was what that and because they shifted focus to include the second generation, those two mm-hmm. things yeah. burned some people off when drums came out. So it's kind of like the, even in the book world, you know, that mm-hmm. was a little bit of a stumbling block. And yep. so on the show, you see that as well. People are like, we miss seeing Scotland. Really, you know what, mm-hmm. guys? It's filmed in Scotland. You still see it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, but you know, they kind of missed that Scotland being mm-hmm. a character of the show, yeah. so to speak. They saw For it sure. as a character in the show and that they lost it. Right. Um, so um, that may change. We'll Maybe. see. Maybe. Um, Malva's accusation presents a whole new set of problems. Amen, sister. Why is everyone so quick to believe her? And what does that say about the Fraser's position, particularly Jamie's on the ridge? Well, um, I think, like I said, she's one of theirs. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So they're going to, they're going to trust their own first mm-hmm. and she, their beloved Tom Christie's daughter, you know, so therefore what are they going to call this family of liars? They're Tom Christie, you know, mm-hmm. and also she's just this little innocent thing, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's this big strapping guy. And, you know, like all of those things added together, I think. And and I think she played it, you know, she played them well. You know, mm-hmm. she kind of played the whole situation um, and knew what put buttons to push. But it, I really did, I especially on the show, um, the way it, it came up, I felt so bad, you know, like, oh, my God, you people suck. You know, I mean, you really suck. This man just don't get like yep. put up with your bullshit over religion. Yep. Helped you build your houses. You know, yep. <laughs> fed your asses, brought you all kinds of food and shit. You know, and and this is what you do. Kept you, you from dying. With torches in front of his house. I mean, yeah. it kind of oh really sucks. They suck. You know, they suck. Um, yeah, <laughs> they suck. Um, but yeah, they, that, that was really, I agree with you. They should have had more faith in him, but he didn't have enough time. I think developing his own bonds with them yet. And they already had those bonds with Tom. We like, we don't really know on the show how long he'd been connected with them, you know, mm-hmm. because it was different on the show. They didn't come with him in the right. show as far as, you know, like it wasn't his people like Moses coming to the promised land, you know, it was different. So 
but in in the in the show like that was that was who they know that was Mm -hmm. who they followed he's the one that made this arrangement for them to be here right they probably thought of it like how dare he do that you know Mm -hmm. to this guy who brought him all these tenants (laughs) yeah exactly that way too you know so and then of course claire is you know she's a witch anyway in their eyes so um they you know and then she ran away you know when the accusation was made and you know what does that say because she knows you know like Balba played it like even she knew it was true that's why she ran out and you know it was just kind of a lot of perfect storm of circumstances for sure yeah it was what do you think I think it's a lot of that it's just they're sticking with what they know they're trusting what they know it's not I think they see that adversity between Tom and Jamie and that doesn't help because you see somebody that you trust as your leader. And if your leader can't even get along with them and make things work, then what does that say about them? Oh, he's unmovable. He doesn't really care about us. He, you know, like you see that time and time again, it's like, but you don't really know this guy, you know, what people are saying about him, but do you really know him? Um, and they're so quick to judge. Like, they're so quick to judge. Um, that's one thing that drives what they me did bonkers. To Claire, how they treated her. They showed oh, her after what I happened. Know. I mean, that's terrible. But, you know, also, it's Tom and their relationship with Tom that gets them backed off when he stands up. Exactly. And, and goes with them. Yeah. It was really like he becomes almost like the savior in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, because, okay, well, if he's going to, you know like stand up and not you know throw stuff at them and rocks and he says Mm -hmm. stand down and he's going to do this and that who are we to say stuff so really kind of you can see how they're just following him for good or bad you know yep um and until he flipped it around you know that kind of saved their ass oh yeah well and i one question that i asked earlier i said do you think tom challenges jamie in a different way than we've seen before from any of Jamie's adversaries because I tend to think that Tom is quite a bit different than any of Jamie's adversaries in the past um just because his motivations are different like you said it's more of a a lot of shades of gray there's a lot of shades of gray in the relationship because Jamie still sees him almost not one of his, but kind of like one of his because he was an Orangemere man and he was part of the people that Jamie spoke mm-hmm. for, whether right. he says that or not, he was, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he, he, and he also has a lot of respect for Tom in a lot of ways, you know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of, you know, he, Tom, you know, like he says, you know, you were always an awkward bugger, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, he says it almost affectionately, like, yeah. you know, okay, you're just a pain in the ass, you know, that I got to deal yeah. with, but not in a negative way. Exactly. So it's almost like this very gray relationship that has a lot of, a lot of push and pull, you know. Yeah, it's so. it's definitely a power struggle, but it's one of those power struggles where each side appreciates what the other side has. And there's almost on Tom's side a jealousy towards what Jamie oh, has. And so it makes That's it complex. True, especially on the show. Yeah, because Jamie just wants things to work 
That's all he wants in life. He just wants it to work. And he's constantly copacetic. Yes. He's copacetic. Right. You know, Um, he's not a meeting house. (laughs) He's not asking for Tom to give up his role as that faction's leader. He's just Mm. asking that Tom be a little easier to work with and maybe ask his people to not be so judgy. Don't, don't call my wife a witch please don't like I don't want that like it's not so hard okay (laughs) um seriously so so I think that Jamie because Tom has a level of control over the Fisher folk Jamie struggles with how to approach Tom because Jamie has seen from Ardsmuir how quickly things can get nasty if you're not finding a way to to be copacetic like you said to make everybody have a common goal and mm-hmm. so i think and i that also is- like how jamie uses his weaknesses like he uses the that that jealousy mm-hmm. to fuel him to get him yeah. to do what he wants you know yeah. um, he like you know with the thing of like well you know i've had worse and stuff you know like knowing it's going to push his buttons to get uh-huh. him to yeah. do actually to help him like yeah. he uses his own he uses tom's weaknesses in order to help him mm-hmm. you know he plays into them which is like, so smart yeah. it's like typical genie no, like see how the best way to solve this problem and yeah. really Brie gets that from him that's where she gets her inventive side yeah is from that genetic pool of Jamie's yeah of being looking at a problem and finding a way to solve that problem yeah. that that's but it came out in, in Brie a different way right you know through like mechanical invention and stuff mm-hmm. but that's where it comes from that ability to to see, okay, this is the problem. What's the best way to get to, to B from A? Yeah. You know, and yep. get that accomplished. And, and like, you know, so even if it means, you know, playing into this jealousy, it's going to get him to yeah. shut up and let you do your job. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. I think that it's one very thing. Very Jamie. I think Tom is a good guy. And mm-hmm. I think that show watchers may not realize that fully yet Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's going to come to light more so at the beginning of season seven Um, people are really on the fence about him still but yeah just because of how some things were structured they don't really know the reasoning behind some of his actions yet in the show they don't Um, see that oh well he saved their asses at the end yeah but does that outweigh every other thing that he's done okay Mm -hmm. Um, and so Tom really deep down is a good guy. And I think ultimately that's what makes him different from other adversaries that Jamie has had in the past is that they're both they've all been kind of black and white. All you know, his other adversaries villains. Like you've got Stephen Bonnet, you've got Blackjack Randall, you've got the mm-hmm. Duke of Sandringham, like right. all of these people that are just why would we ever root for them? And then you've got Tom Christie. So I think it's perplexing for a lot of people, including Jamie, honestly. <laughs> like, he doesn't want to just... But you know what? And Jamie really does respect him oh, as yeah. well. Like, they both respect, like, as much as he hates it, he knows that Jamie's a good guy. Yeah. He knows that They're, Jamie's smart. Like, he way. knows all these yeah. things. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and, and still, and I think if he was really that bad of a guy, Jamie wouldn't have let him on the rich. Exactly. Whether he said that, oh, he would have put his foot down. Or not. 
And so he would I don't put care. his foot down, but he yeah, he could see positive that Tom could yes. do, you know, and right. that's basically what he thought, you know, hey, yep. he could do some things that were good. It would be good for him to connect with the Protestant people because mm-hmm. there are going to be Protestant people, you yep. know. Um, and so uh, and plus he could teach, you know, he could be, you know, the person that helps with that because he is smart. He has, you know, great letter writing skills. He used to be a teacher. So mm-hmm. there's things he could give to the community. And he put that above his own personal little grudges, yep. you know? Right. Um, so then that's Jamie. Jamie does that. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's, it, you know, one of the things about the flaws is like, and I said, it was kind of funny because I'm leading this drums of autumn study right now. And I think it's in that book that we see the most flawed Jamie. Mm-hmm. And it's lately because he's thrown into so much new and raw situations mm-hmm. that he doesn't quite have a handle on yet. Right. So, um, so it's like all of this stuff, he's kind of schooled out of himself, you know, like, you know, when you're pressed with adversity, mm-hmm. like your inner core comes out. So you kind of see, I think all of that come out because he's like, yeah. this daughter comes out of nowhere that he wasn't expecting. Yeah. And he's kind of, kind of dealing with all of these, I got to be a father now, you know, and you know, all the different mm-hmm. things that happen. Um, so you see a lot of flaws come out in that book. Anyway, um, I find, especially in Diana's books that a character's greatest strengths can become flaws and vice versa, depending on several factors. And I think it's Mm -hmm. a really beautiful thing because that's true at times for all of us, you know, we can all relate. And it it also builds truth and definition and character to have highs and lows. Mm -hmm. And so a good example of that is like Jamie's sense of honor and pride and Roger's compassion and need to help people, Mm -hmm. especially mothers. Claire's boldness and straightforwardness. All these things can be strengths, you know, but they can also in in excess become a stumbling block or a flaw you know Mm -hmm. for all of those people and we see it all that happen in the books right and in the show um so all of these are wonderful traits they're iconic traits for these characters and yet each time those those taking those traits a step too far they become a fault and that's why it becomes hard sometimes to list strengths and weaknesses and when the same characteristic can land in both categories with regards to jamie Mm-hmm. I see pride, temper, arrogance, and jealousy. They're flaws at some stages, and sometimes they can be attributes at some stages. Also, especially in the first four books, I'd say, for sure, the red thing, the fist first mm-hmm. rage thing, you know, can get him in trouble. And yeah. the thing is, he's not all of one or all of another. He's um, He's not displaying overt instances of them mm-hmm. all the time, but there's enough balance to still make yeah. him convincing as a hero. They're right. sprinkled in. And, and sometimes, um, you know, the, the, the thing he has learned over time, and you see in the later books and in the later seasons, he's learned over time to recognize that these are his flaws, you know, and to have more control over them. Like to, Like I said earlier, to take a beat, before reacting to process where he wouldn't have done that as a younger lad. He's one to kind of also a good thing about Jamie is he recognizes his errors and how they got him into trouble. And mm-hmm. he tries not to repeat them. He's very much, he learns a lot from his mistakes. And this is something that I always tell people about William is that they need to remember he's as much like Jamie and and as wise as Jamie and, mat- and mature as he is now when he was 21 and 22, he was like a little bit haughty. He was a bit arrogant. If you've read Virgins, you know, he used to always like, 
get up in Ian's face and be like, I went to university. I'm, you know, all that a bag of chips, you know, mm-hmm. you need to just pay attention to what right. I say. You know, he doesn't do that now, but in his youth, he was a little bit yeah. full of himself sometimes, you know, um, but no, a character with no flaws makes a boring story, right. but you have to have a deck hand with flaws and you need to be balanced. Mm-hmm. You can't bunch all the flaws together and instances together. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do, then the reader can't or the viewer can't see past them. Diane and this show do a good job for both Jamie Claire in that regard. Um, I could do a whole discussion on this, but I won't. Uh, I don't <laughs> want to hijack your thing. Maybe I'll do it on Patreon. But there you go. Um, but with Roger, say they, but it was one of the mistakes they made. They bunched it all together, all these instances together, yep. and they didn't balance it with enough of the good. They don't do that with Jamie. And that was a good thing, but he still has them. Also, we have his little Achilles heel weaknesses, like all them, which are like part of his charm, you know, like his Superman kryptonite, like uh, his chronic seasickness and mm-hmm. his discomfort with being left handed, his aversion to snakes, which really gets him in trouble and bees, by the way. Um, and all his little physical imperfections that give him character, you know, the ability to like not be able to sing or hear music, mm-hmm. you know, the inability to wink. You know, all these yep. like little physical things. They're not flaws, but they're they're little imperfections that yeah. make him human. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I kind of like that. What did you put? Um, so I put that his biggest weaknesses are probably his temper and his sense of jealousy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, those are things that his temper, especially, you know, see it kind of him start to get a get control over it and be able to use it more i guess as the books progress yes yeah Yeah. very good point yes Um, so in that respect i think it's a little bit of both like it's a it's a push and a pull like a lot of things are in this series um Mm -hmm. his sense of jealousy is one thing i cannot stand in jamie fraser Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of things that i just I'm out on with Jamie, but mm-hmm. especially when we get into later books, mm-hmm. I just need you to get past it. James Alexander, mm-hmm. Malcolm McKenzie Fraser. <laughs> like, I need you to not be such a jealous jerk sometimes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my biggest weakness or like fault or weakness with him. And even his sense of honor can sometimes uh, become a stumbling yes. block. Like you'll remember Bree is like, you know, oh don't even talk about his honor. I don't want to hear it. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's like, like your man your father's a man of honor. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um it's like all lumped together his pride, his honor and his sense of jealousy all like come together sometimes into this nasty mix in his character. And it's it's hard to get past. I'll, I'm not going to lie. Um, but as for like a fault, I guess his sense of responsibility for me is one of those double-edged swords as well. Because yes, there's so many of his faults that are like that, that are double-edged yeah. swords that save his ass at times, but can get in his way at times. His sense um, of responsibility. that's a great character. Yeah. It's just like... I love how he's always there for the people that need him, but then he kind of is there for people that don't need him or he's there too much. And it's just, it causes a lot of problems as well. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's what I had. Oh yeah. So that that's, yeah, that's, I, I love, I love the character and I love when you see 
the same thing be strengths and flaws depending because it's so human. Mm-hmm. Like I really all of like I could say that about myself. A lot of my flaws yeah. are also my strengths. Right. Um, you know, and, and they can become flaws if I don't keep a check on them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh being a perfectionist is yeah. one, you know, or and all that and that's also true for Jamie. You know, yeah. she he drives her nuts with that sometimes. <laughs> let it go (laughs) yeah okay yes it's snowing and raining out let it drip jamie no not fixing it right now (laughs) when the little leak was in the roof yeah sure (laughs) fine if she goes out there naked goes out there naked she's like you're not wearing your good shirt to fix the shutter and he's like fine (laughs) that was awesome oh my god (laughs) Uh, did they do that on the show? No. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Sometimes I get it mixed up, but I, yeah. oh, that's a shame because that was funny. Yeah, it was. Funny. And I would have loved to have seen his little bare butt <laughs> up on the roof. That would have been a great chance to see James dance again. Oh, man. Make it creative. Missed guys. Opportunity, that's all we ask. Show. Right. Missed opportunity. <laughs> Uh, it's all about Jamie's ass. Oh man, of course. <laughs> and on that note, we'll end. There you go. It's all about Jamie's ass. The moral of this two and a half hour long tirade is that it's all about Jamie's ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Don't you love having me on? I love it. <laughs> so fun. Oh, I do too. I love you too, girl. Oh, um. All right. All right. So we should we wrap this puppy? I think we should. All right. So yeah, much love to everybody. Thanks for having me on thanks again. Thanks for everybody that hung with us. And uh, yes, and uh, happy Fourth of July yes. again to all the Americans out there. I think there was a Can- Canadian Day too. Yeah, isn't it? A couple days ago. So happy yesterday. Canadian yeah. Day. Yep. Happy uh, Canadian Canada Day. Day. Happy Independence Day. And uh, I'll be back in two weeks. Stay safe in your travels yes. if you're traveling. Yes, definitely for sure. Stay safe out there, as I always say at the end of my episodes. So. I'll see you in two weeks. When I come I, uh... return in a week on my new oh, yes. on my new yes. uh, page. Did we put the page? But I anyway. did. I put uh, I put your Patreon link on there. So okay, but it's not on that though. But it's on the, the Queen Bee. What did I call it? <laughs> Queen Bee's Outlandish Hive. hive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Queen Bee's Outlandish Hive Facebook group. I'll be there, there next go. Saturday doing the turn intro. So Alrighty. it'll be a lot of fun. Much love, everybody. Have a good weekend, guys. Bye. Bye.